It's another quarantined edition of The Weekend to Take, brought to you by the powers of Zoom. So, I am your host, the R. Lewis, not the third, with a little pre-table of contents. If you want a more detailed table of contents, go to the description of the video uh, with the timestamps collected there. Uh, on this week's episode, we talk about the quarantine requirements of each of the professional sports leagues. We start with the NBA, then move to the WNBA, then move to the MLB, then move to the NFL, and then finally finish off with the NHL. So, after that, of course, it's is this your king, and then we wrap up without further ado. It's time for the weekend to take. Buon appetit! Nothing to say. My God. <laughs> My God, I have nothing to say this week. <laughs> All right. One, one of those episodes, eh? <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 starting off, I'm starting off just like that, man, because I have, I am, I'm not going to lie. Your boy is tired. <laughs> it is. Are you saying this week in sports has left you speechless, Derek? Is that yes. why you have nothing to say? Is this yes, a lot I, of crazy stuff going on that you can't put into words, can't even fathom how to mix that together and give that to the people? Yes, thank you, Daniel. Thank you for putting a spin on it. No, the real reason all of that. <laughs> all the stuff he just said. Welcome to another edition of the Weekend to Take. I am your host. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not an everlasting host on this one, but I become like an everlasting host. No one else hosts because we can't flip coins really over the internet. Uh, so maybe I'll get one of these bums to host eventually. But it's me, your man's, Dr. Lewis, the third. Not the third. Work on it. Work on it, D. I, I, I know you'll get it. I believe in you. you you've always been there for me. I'm a, I, I continue to believe I'm that you're right, man. I'm going to get it right, bro. I got you, bro. In the meantime, Terrell Huff is right. It is not the third. And I'm here with all your favorite friends. Minus one. Sans one. I am Sans and Austin Brazina today. Um, he's dealing with some family issues. We won't get into that because, you know, that's his business. Uh, but my man's, my other two friends, they here. Daniel Davidson. Who continues to get my name wrong? Yeah, he's my best friend. He's what do you do, baby? What do you do, yeah. baby? Terrell, <laughs> 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 Poppy himself, he is here. Indeed, sir. Support the arts. Every time he says that, I just want to be like Terrell, huh? sir. Brings <laughs> 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 it out in me, man. And so this is the show where we take one topic and one topic only. One. We distill it into its purest form, and we give it back to you, the people. I tried to do a little mini Bane thing there. I don't know how it worked. We'll see. Well, I'll listen back on the audio. We'll see how that worked. And then uh, you put on the mask. <laughs> I should just let Daryl Huff just do all the fucking. No one can until I put on the mask. <laughs> That's what he's here for, man. He's an actor. So we we give it back to you, the people, all you know, broken down and such. And then you have information. You're informed. You go out to the people you're like hey man i know everything this lemonade we were talking about start debating to start it's like i was listening to the weekend to take it i have takes <laughs> i am now informed <laughs> i'm ready to attack i'm now knowledgeable uh, and this week we were talking about ah just kidding it's time for trail huff's first take sponsored by who they sponsored by daniel 
Maple Gorilla. Well, JT Charters, the official charters of the Mary Grilly. But, you know, close. Work on that too. He's on it. Been listening. <laughs> Draw Huff. I, I, actually thought, I actually thought Daniel was going to do, what is he, what does he normally say? Money, love, power. What is it? What is it that you usually say? <laughs> I thought you were going to do that one. Capitalism, baby. Yeah. Almighty dollars, baby. <laughs> anyway, every week. Terrell Huff jumps the gun because he's going to do it whether I let him do it or not. So I just made it into a segment. And so, with Terrell's first take, it's Terrell. So here's the thing, man. You don't have to have ever been to Atlanta. You don't have to have ever been an NBA basketball player or a professional athlete from any sport that has ever been to the city of Atlanta to know that Magic City has the best wings, possibly, possibly in the Metro Atlanta area, okay? So the fact that my man Lou Williams is probably gonna miss the first couple of games of the restarted, truncated NBA season against the Lakers and uh, the Pelicans, I believe, uh, because he chose while handling family business, air quotes, to make a little stop off in Atlanta so that he could go and get some food for his family from a lovely establishment called Magic City. Um, and you can ask anyone from the Dungeon family, uh, Outcast. Uh, you can ask Ludacris. Uh, you can ask T.I. They're all familiar with the establishment. And um, they can tell you that the wings are fantastic. So I'm not surprised that his family said, hey, dad, hey, honey. Dad, huh? Could you, uh, I'm assuming he has kids. Uh, could, you, could you stop by Magic City and uh, pick up some wings? Because why not, you know? Because we're hungry. Food ain't working. What we, kind of children don't want the bubble you, food, man? All right? <laughs> so, Daddy, we need Magic City wings. <laughs> But look, look, I'm just saying, everyone's upset. I mean, if, the they, if, they, if, they, if they slap, they slap, bro. You know what I'm saying? It don't matter where they're from. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it doesn't matter. Like, is anyone really surprised that a strip joint in Atlanta has wonderful wings? It's Atlanta. Come on, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> wonderful, delicious wings? <laughs> yes. So, with that being said, any NBA fan that's upset at Lou Williams right now, come on, man. Get off your high horse. Okay, because most likely you haven't had wings from Magic City. That's all I gotta say. Keep it moving. This is not an ad. <laughs> uh, while he was Lou Will, baby. Well, that was Terrell Huff's spectacular first take, where he Let's put go. you on some game. Um, and, and that is sponsored by Daniel. What is it sponsored by? JNT Chocolates, the official Thomas of Remember Grill. <laughs> that was an exquisite action, my friend. Oh. <laughs> It must be that that their promo must be read with an exquisite 19th century southern accent. See when Daniel's getting in on the uh, getting in on the impressions, you know it's rolling. That's uh, right. <laughs> while uh, while Terrell Huff was waxing poetic about uh, wings and uh, Magic City's wings and such, I confirmed that Lou Williams does have three children, and uh, I suppose maybe they asked for for wings. You can't so tell. Me you, you think they, 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 they like wings there? Wings. 
I, mm-hmm. I'm sure I, I got to believe if they pappy like wings, they like wings. I have to feel like, you know, they have the taste. I'm you know. making wings today, bro. Trust me. I know the power that wings hold over a man's family. I already I'm thinking, know. I'm thinking about scooping some Indeed. wings my damn self. So You need to get yourself a foodie grill. A ninja foodie grill. We ain't got no more sponsorships today, Terrell. I'm, just, no I'm working on one. This is, this is not an ad. This I'm is not an ad. <laughs> I don't care who you are. So you, you might have to tell your parents to get you one. Oh, proceed. So you might. I can't do this today. No, <laughs> so you might have a guest. The subject it's a it's quarantine week. I try to do yes. challenge day, but with quarantine week, it's quarantine week. The uh, either your favorite sports league has started up, or it's getting ready to start up, or it's uh, you know trying to start up. They they trying to start up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, this week, if we're not specifically barreling down the topic to Lou Williams and his wing escapades we're talking more generally about uh each specific sports reopening plan um and some of the uh, challenges and tribulations therein that have arisen already and could possibly arise later uh so we're going to try to break them down one by one uh, we'll see how this goes because it's just me reading off of a long list of, <laughs> of documents <laughs> so we'll see how accurate we go. Uh, but on that note, we are going to start with the NBA. And so I'm going to throw it to Austin for the – okay. I'm going to throw it to myself for the what for. Thank you, Austin. Thank you, Austin. And uh, we're going to start in the NBA. Uh, so by now, you guys know the NBA uh, will be starting on July 30th. That is a – was that a Wednesday, fellas? That's a Wednesday? I believe so. Uh, so excuse me. Uh, Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. And so they are already in quarantine. Uh, they are in Orlando and Disney World. Um, and uh, they are playing exhibition games currently. Uh, there's really going fun. to be, uh, what is it, eight games, fellas? It's eight games, right? We have to refer to them as scrimmages. Yeah, scrimmages. I'm sorry. Scrimmages. And then they'll play uh, eight more uh, regular season games. Yes. Uh, if – the ninth seed and tenth seed finish within three and a half games of the A seed. We will activate a playing game uh, that will take place on August 15th and 16th. And then uh, the playoffs will start off on August 17th. Uh, it'll be normal seating one through eight from there on. Um, and we just go and roll it in. Uh, quarantine rules are as such. Each team is allowed 37 players. There are not 37 players. They're allowed 37 uh, bodies. Um, there are no family members there until we get to the conference finals. Uh, you know, they spent four days in quarantine. They were they they had to go through a rigorous quarantining check to get to get to the site uh, where they were checked uh, for the coronavirus. They were tested every day for two weeks, and then they were held in quarantine for four days. After that, um, if they leave, uh, they can't come back. They have to remain in quarantine for four days. After that. But depending on what kind of shenanigans they get into, it can go up to 10 days. Um, and so that is where we are with the NBA and their bubble, which seems to be popping all over the place. And it starts with Lou Williams, boys. Lou Williams. <laughs> we say all of that to get to this, but we actually want to talk to. <laughs> Random information dump, but now. But now, here, here's some things you really want to think about. And that's that Lou Williams left this bubble because – and be, I, I've, I've been looking all over the internet, but neither ESPN nor Yahoo has the same facts. I, I, either the man's grandfather died or 
a family friend who has the same last name as his, as Lou Williams died. Either way, he had to leave the fe- he had to leave the bubble because he needed to attend this uh, close person's funeral to him. Um, sad condolences to the Williams family and 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 the other Williams family, all Williams family involved. Um, and while <laughs> Williams was out, apparently they had some sort of uh, viewing. And after the viewing, they was hungry, so they went to Magic City to get wings. <laughs> That's what Lou Williams says. He took a picture with a rapper. The rapper put it on Instagram, and then the NBA was like, "Yo, what's this?" So the rapper took it down and claimed, "Nah, man, I just miss, I just miss Lou. I just miss Lou." That's an old picture. <laughs> old picture, fam. I, I don't know what you're talking about, except for that Lou Williams was wearing a mask that was given to him for hey. quarantine by the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> that immediately snuffed out, and then Lou Williams had to confess to the league office that he had uh, gone to the uh, to the to, to Magic City to acquire some wings. And, and hey, said, hey, hey, but wait! Everybody thought the strippers and Instagram models was gonna be the ones that was go out these dudes for the bubble, and it turned out to be, it be it. <laughs> a raffle. It be your own people. It be your own people, man. People supposed to know the code, hey, bro. <laughs> Don't be posting all this stuff, homie. So Lou Don't said, mention my name. <laughs> so since Lou put the uh, bubble in jeopardy, uh, he got copious amounts of attack on Twitter, and he was like, "Yo, man, I wasn't even I wasn't even partaking. I was just getting some wings. I was getting in and out. If you know me, you know I love the wings. And apparently, this is legend in Atlanta. He actually does love the wings. So that wasn't a lie. He even has a, a brand of lemon pepper wings named after him. Lemon pepper barbecue wings named after him in Atlanta." in that very establishment. So, we'll start, what do you guys think of what's going on in quarantine? Between Lou Williams, between the, all the games the Mavericks seem to be playing, the Mavericks play a different game every day. Yeah. You know, LeBron James is playing football on the sidelines with a basketball. What's going on in NBA quarantine? And is it, is it has it been effective thus far? Well, I mean, you know, we joked about the, I think one of us joked about this, the snitch line. Uh, who is it? Who did I thought? Did I post something about that? Basically, it was like somebody was making fun of like there was a snitch line and like literally mm-hmm. just a dude answering the phone and it's like, yeah, man, um, I'm pretty sure that uh, I see so and so sneaked out the bubble or something like that. So like, th- it hasn't even materialized into something as funny as that would be, and it's really just coming down to a situation where I really feel like these dudes just don't realize, hey, you can't do that because we're trying to keep this thing so tight because it's so delicate in regards to one person coming in and possibly infecting multiple people that we need to keep this tight. So when you're out here doing your thing, you have to understand that this is the issue that we're concerned with. You were going to be, I mean, because remember, he was going to be some sort of quarantine anyway uh, because of the fact that it was a family issue. Just like I think the same thing happened with... um, uh, my goodness, how can I not remember his name? Uh, with uh, Zion. Um, oh, yeah. Like how he had an issue like way before any of this. Um, Zion Williamson had an issue and it was like, there was this idea that, okay, you're going to be stuck. You're going to be quarantined for X amount of time until you can be with your teammates and do your thing. So we get that. I think, um, uh, what is it? Um, uh, James Harden, uh, he had a family issue that he needed to you know, take care of. Um, Russell had had an issue. So Russell Westbrook. So when I look at that, and Russell Westbrook actually came up positive. So 
honestly, it feels to me like a lot of these guys just didn't want to be, and, and I don't want to make light of any possible real you know, family issues they had, but we were just sort of given sort of like a general, they have a family issue, they're not going to be there. A lot of you guys, it feels like to me, just weren't ready to go into that bubble and just be in there for X amount of weeks or months or whatever the time frame is going to be. It feels like a lot of them were doing the best they could to get there as late as possible and, you know, cope with it at that point. So, you know, with Lou Williams, obviously it was a different situation because I think he was there and then he left. Um, I think I could be wrong. Uh, I'm sure Derek will correct me on that one. But I mean, you know, he what he's out there doing, he's got to understand the level of scrutiny. People are going to be looking for these NBA players outside of that bubble, especially when everybody knows that there's some 22 teams that are there. So well, especially if Jack Harlow is going to be posting Instagrams. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, that when, when these players are going outside of the bubble and they're dealing with people, they also have to understand that a lot of these people are not NBA players that they run with. And these people don't understand, like they, they don't care to know what the guidelines and the rules are. They're just hanging out with their boy who happens to be an NBA player. And Hey man, let's take this picture right quick. People aren't thinking in that situation. So I don't think I don't have any ill will towards Lou Williams or anything. I don't feel like he's jeopardizing the season or anything of that nature. Honestly, even if I felt like he was, I don't know that it would be that big of an issue to me because, hey, personally, I don't think the season should have continued to begin with. But that being said, it gives us something to talk about. For sure. And really looking at it, it just kind of confirms kind of what we all know is that pro athletes, you know, athletes in general are pretty much like regular people in terms of their tendencies, in terms of their, you know, wants and needs and quirks and such. Um, because, of course, yeah, you have the athletes that are outspoken who are saying, you know, you need to make sure that we have this thing locked down, take this very seriously. But there's going to be some on the other spectrum where it's like either it's not as serious or they get really stir crazy and they kind of just want to get out and start doing something because they're used to doing that um, part in their regular life before all this happened. Mm-hmm. So just like we have different people in our regular community here, there's going to be different types of athletes out there in terms of how serious they take this and also kind of how much they can put up with. Um, so it's not too surprising that this happened. Uh, for especially for the Lou Will thing, you know, you're saying like, oh, guys, I'll just be out there to get wings. I wouldn't, you know, out there partaking or trying to get exposed. But it's like, well, bro, you probably could have easily got like DoorDash or Uber Eats to pick up the wings and bring them to you. So you obviously wanted to go out and be out there and be, you know, around other people, which I mean, it's understandable if, if you know, since he, if he wasn't a bubble before, maybe he kind of didn't stir crazy or if he had just come for a funeral, maybe he wants to clear his mind, get out there and be around people. That's what people normally do in that type of situation, kind of get out and, you know, clear your head, clear your head space and stuff. Um, but for right now, what we're going through for these games coming up, um, set through a COVID, you have to have a different mindset. And really the only way this will work, I guess, perfectly is if it's like an actual, like a, I, I thought it would be like a compound to where they couldn't leave at all. Right. But now people are getting like a lot of uh, permissions to go here and there. I'm, I mean, of course, loss of the family, people getting sick, that's, of course, something you want to leave for. But I thought they'd say, well, once you get in here, you can't leave at all because if you leave, there's a chance you could be exposed to other, to other you know, the people and bring it back here. So if you do leave, maybe you can't come back or something. But that's not the case. The way the NBA's handling it's like, yeah, okay, we'll go and leave, get quarantined and come back and then keep, keep it going. Well, if that's the situation, then it kind of sets the tone that it's still kind of lax in terms of how strict it is. Uh, for quarantining and for, you know, preventing the spread of COVID because it's like, oh, we can leave. I'd rather have a good enough excuse to leave. 
And that kind of undermines what they're trying to do with the whole bubble of protection if, you know, people can easily enter and exit the bubble like that. So it's going to be interesting to see how these other uh, leagues handle this as well, because seeing how the NBA is doing it, it's like, uh, it's probably going to cause some problems once the actual games start. Um, because, you know, if you're quarantining when the actual playoff games are starting, then you won't be able to actually play in a game. And that's going to hurt the actual uh, quality of the game, the outcome of series and such. And at that point, you know, will fans be upset and be like, okay, well, I don't think this is like a fair season because all my people keep getting quarantined or sick and all of our best players are out. So why, why, why am I even watching this anymore? So it'll be interesting to see how they handle it going forward. But yeah, the way that they're kind of being lax with letting players come and go, uh, not a good look right now. I think also there's a few stories where some players, um, they ordered food and they went out to get the food and brought it back. So it's not like someone's there making sure they don't leave. It's more, I guess, like a, um, everybody's like, they just got the contaminated goods. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's like, real quick, no, real quick. Real quick. Um, mm -hmm. Why doesn't Magic City have a food truck? That could be a venture for them that I'm, I'm just saying, if they had a food truck, <laughs> come on, man. Since it's about the wings, food truck, bro, drive, drive that, drive that bad boy from Atlanta to Orlando, sanitize, and just have that food truck be right there in the bubble. Terrell Huff is taking you know, a start franchising out here. <laughs> if it's about the wings, I can't get this podcast back in order. So, so when they go away, they go away from. They go from entertainment completely, and they're only like a wing company now. That'd be crazy, right? <laughs> like before, we started out as entertainment, but now we're strictly about the wings, run the food and we make truck. millions. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, I ain't for saying sure. who got to run the food truck. It could be, you know, a, a, a dancer could, you know, drive the food truck and. Oh, and, no, all right. <laughs> just think if they franchise it, Magic City Wings. How people want want part of that franchise? A ton of people. This is right. either the best episode That's ever. Good idea. Oh, the worst episode ever. One or the other. <laughs> Rashad Holmes uh, left and was uh, and went to an undesignated uh, spot to pick up right. food and was uh, chastised accordingly. Um, Ain't that important yet, though? Well, not, that's the thing about this, right? Is technically none of this is important yet. Yeah. Uh, Lou Williams is going to be quarantined for ten days, maybe fourteen days or whatever. Um, and while it's not great. It's not that important, right? Because he's going to miss two games that the Clippers don't necessarily need to win anyway. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, right now. But Daniel, Daniel brings up a pretty good point that eventually this will become a big deal because eventually if you make a mistake like this, it's going to cost you actual playoff games. Right. Uh, right now it doesn't cost you anything to make these mistakes per se. It could cost the NBA the whole bubble. But <laughs> that's, that's kind of unlikely. And it's just – for me, it just shows how un – tenable this whole situation is i think daniel kind of hit on this pretty pretty succinctly that human people are human people man right like lou williams didn't do anything that drastically out of the normal um if i take him at his word i kind of need more information right i need detectives on this man because if, if he was sitting the up in the strip, investigating if he was if he was sitting up in the strip club then yeah that's a bad look but if he really was just going to pick up wings it's like yeah of course someone else could have done that for him but like that's not I pick up food every day, so that's not out of the normal. Now, you are – I'm not a professional NBA player, of which my whole profession resides on me not getting COVID. And so, you know, I you're putting yourself at extra risk just by going out and touching anybody else, um, including a rapper named Jack Harlow, who uh, you wanted to take a picture with. But 
everyone's acting like Lou Williams put the entire the entire bubble in jeopardy. And if the NBA does his job, pretty much he just put Lou Williams in jeopardy because if he's quarantined correctly, he should be fine, right? Now yeah. the problem would be if he got back in there and just started touching on people and stuff, and no one knew that he had broken, you know, quarantine ranks. But how would that happen? Because he was already leaving to go be around people. He was going to a funeral. Yeah. Um, but it, it, Daniel hit on something pretty interesting as well in terms of this doesn't seem like it's very strict, and I get that because we're not in a totalitarian regime where all all basketball players must be under a rigid stru- structure. But that is kind of what they made it seem like it was going to be, right? Like it was going to be like, hey, yep. you're here, once you're here, it's over. You lock that right. stuff down. If you leave, yeah. they said, they said we got everything we need at this compound. You know, this is taking care of everything. You got your food, entertainment, whatever. We got you the nicest hotels we could find. So you shouldn't do anything else outside of you know this compound. But people are like, oh, well, the food's not that great, so I'm going to order some myself. Or <laughs> So a lot of times the players are like, uh, this is okay, but, I mean, I guess they're used to this stuff all the time because we're in the NBA anyway. Right. And we're used to having more variety in terms of what we can eat and have and experience and stuff too. So if you're all going to, a, you know, not physically keep us in our rooms or something, then, yeah, we're, we're grown men. We're going to do what we want to do because we're used to being out and about because we're young and healthy and have money, so. And so, like, it, the NBA made it seem like it was going to be like, yeah, you leave, you're done. No coming back in here. But, no, it's not like that. And, of course, teams don't want it to be like that because if a play, if an important player leaves, they want that dude to come back and be able to play eventually. Um, and so it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's weird, man, because, like, I was reading that apparently Alex Caruso's having to make a decision about if he's going to go to his sister's 100-person wedding. I was like, hey – why are we having a hundred person wedding? Like, I know it's your wedding. At, at I'm, this I'm, point, I'm trying, right. to, I'm trying to be thoughtful and like consider it. And, and Daniel's going through this exact thing. His wedding is supposed to be in October. So I know it's stressful for all the brides out there and the fiance and the fiances and the grooms out there. Um, and so like, I know this is a weird time, but like a hundred person wedding in the middle of COVID and Alex Russo wants to go to this and come back. Like, like, what are we, like, what oh. are we doing here? For another day, that he already came out and said he's not going to go now. No, yeah. well, but he was considering. You know, he, <laughs> yeah, and I get it. I, it's an important family milestone, so I'm trying to be right. thoughtful of that. But like at a certain point, I thought this was just, hey, man, if stuff happens on the outside, it happens on the outside. That just is right. what it is. You you can be there, or you can be here, and and not make this bread. Um, and I thought that's how they were doing it, and apparently that's not how they're doing it. And it seems like it's causing friction already. Um, but I did enjoy the fans just being like, just being like. <laughs> Lou Williams is gonna take down the bubble single-handedly, and I was just like, "Why um, not? Not really." <laughs> no, <laughs> the yeah, game still be played. It don't matter. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and and it's funny because teams like the Clippers and uh, the Lakers and 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 you know the teams that were already where they needed to be is so funny. They're really just there to keep out the teams that are trying to get into the playoffs. <laughs> like, they're re- they're, like if you got one of the play, if you have one of the teams that are already in the playoffs, like ain't nobody playing their way out of the playoffs in this situation. It's really just eight games to see if those teams that were outside of that top sixteen teams. We just need enough games to figure out which one of y'all gonna slide in there so that's all we doing is trying to make it fair for y'all so the lakers the clippers uh you know uh uh uh, um, uh milwaukee those teams are just there to piss your fan base off 
and keep your team out of the playoffs. So because if they on your schedule, you just like shit, you know, because you already know what's about to happen. So that's it. So they're not worried about Lou Williams not playing for the Clippers because they know they're in regardless. You know, I mean, come on, man, doing too much. Yeah, and honestly, these games are more like tune-up games for the top seeds, anyway. So like they want to make sure that they look like they're, you know on precision pinpoint turned to their play together because they had been off so long. So it was like, yeah, come in here and play like maybe a half or something like that and kind of get back into the flow of things. And then when playoffs start, we can see that what we actually want to see in terms of those seeds going at it. Uh, and what's interesting is that seeding doesn't matter, right? Like there's no real home court advantage. So like you're, you're kind of, I guess you, I don't, I don't even remember how much those seeds are even up for grabs at this point anymore. If there's even enough for of games to make a difference, but even if there were, like seeding almost is irrelevant at this point because home field advantage, home court advantage is, is no void. We wearing the purple jerseys today. Nobody like, <laughs> care. Like, like. And so, like, the Clippers are at a unique point because they also are without Montrezl Harrell. They're also without Patrick Beverly. Um, and they're also they're going to be without Lou Williams. And they, ha- they came into this season where they already didn't have a lot of chemistry together because a lot of those dudes were missing time, were uh, getting maintenance and stuff. So that maybe the, you could argue that maybe if any team kind of needed these eight-game this eight-game tune-up, it was the Clippers, and it doesn't seem like they're going to get it. But at the same time, it's like either you was going to come do work or you wasn't. And, like, who knows if who knows who's going to be in quarantine by the time these playoffs start anyway. Yeah. So it, it's just a weird situation, only made weirder by the fact that humans are, in fact, human. Who knew? And that they just they're like, oh, I don't want to be locked up in a cage, even if it's a fancy, nice little cage for <laughs> too long because I'm a human and I want to be around other humans. I mean, you saw that with the regular world. Like, we just kind of all decided COVID, not all, everyone, but a lot of dudes just decided COVID was over, like, after two weeks. And they were like, yo, no, we're done here. We're yeah. just going to go out. Mm-hmm. And they, we, like, COVID's still out there, you know? And it's like, nah, well, it might be, but I don't care. Well, because the idea is, is that it's not going to affect me. Like, you know, I think the younger, healthier, these are world-class athletes. And mind you, we've got 23-year-old dudes with beer guts already that, you know, dropped out of college and just decided to go work for their dad's business that think that they're too healthy for COVID to affect them. So how do you think world-class athletes are feeling? They're probably like... You know what I'm saying? Unless they've been directly affected by it, as in a family member, a close family member, or something like that, or somebody they know, a friend. Like, and I haven't seen a ton of stories about that from any of these professional athletes. So it's like they have this tendency to feel like, you know, and we've talked about this before. Like when we talk about the NFL and, and head injuries and things like that, and and the and the painkillers and stuff like that that these guys have been taking for all this time. They want they feel invincible. And they don't care if there's wear and tear on themselves. It's a matter of give me something to take to where I can feel invincible again and I'll go out and I'll play regardless of the risk. And they're treating coronavirus in a similar way. Even though they can say what they want to say on social media, they can put out information, they can say wear a mask, but realistically that mindset is something that's rampant amongst professional athletes and world-class athletes, which is, I'm almost indestructible. I can do things that other human beings can't do. So therefore, you know, I'm not going to be affected by something like this. And that's the tough part, man. 
Yeah, I mean, that kind of comes with everybody, though, when you're in that age group, you know, like like a lot of MMA players are, what, like early to mid-20s and such, and at that point in time, you do feel bulletproof to an extent, especially when you're younger, and then also being, you know, that age and also, like you said, in amazing physical condition, you're like, okay, well, nothing can really take me down. My wife is sick for a little bit, but I'll bounce back because my, you know, body is pristine, so it kind of gives that false sense of security of, you know, it couldn't happen to me. But we've already seen what cases like, you know, uh, Russell Westbrook or really Rudy Gobert, um, because he lost his, his sense of, uh, was it smell or yeah. taste? What was it? Oh, it was smell. I think it was both. No, was yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so he actually got affected by it quite a bit. I mean, he might be okay in terms of, you know, to run up and down the court, but his if it doesn't ever come back or is altered, then his life may be changed for forever going forward. So in that situation, you know, he kind of – sees it firsthand and maybe his team is here firsthand about, you know, what actually can happen to anybody, you know, no matter how old they are or how healthy they are. But unless the other people though aren't on the same team, so they probably haven't had that situation happen to them personally or to one of their teammates. So they're saying, oh, that happened to him. But, you know, that's probably like a one, one-off chance or something like that. And I will probably be okay and I haven't gotten sick yet and it's been so long, so I should be good. But as we've seen, it just takes that one time and it could change everything. All right, so let's do this. I'm, I'm producing on the fly. Producing on the fly here. Let's grade Uh-oh. the NBA's bubble performance thus far. And we'll give everyone's start plan a, a grade, and we'll see who has the best start plan as proclaimed by the weekend to take. So grade the NBA's restart slash bubble plan, starting with Daniel. Um, as of right now, I'll have to go and give them a C+. Plus. So <laughs> C+. Plus, um, so they've actually taken the steps to try to set some things up for the players. And if it actually had played out how I think they had wanted to, where players were like, oh, well, you know, we're only here for the games to make sure that everybody's safe, then it probably would have been a great plan. Everything would have perfectly. But I guess they failed to realize that these are, you know, individual human beings and not a lot of them are going to follow every rule to the T. Or they might be like, oh, I can just step out for a little bit and come back and I'll be fine. The fact that they didn't really plan for that and have maybe people there to, you know, make sure there aren't people leaving the compound or if they are there, they actually have permission to leave or something like that. Or if someone goes to like a relative for like a funeral or something, maybe have someone from the league office go with them as well to kind of make sure that they're safe and following protocol until they come back home or something. There's things they could do for if they have to have people leave or to maybe prevent people from going out of the compound that they really haven't done. I think because they didn't want to make the players maybe feel claustrophobic or something, or they just kind of slipped their mind and they assume the players kind of be on, you know, perfect citizens and wouldn't do anything wrong. Um, so for that, that's why I had to mark them down all of them to see, but gave them that plus because the initial setup though, that they actually have a whole facility just for the players. Um, I mean, that's good on the league for doing that for them. Earl Huff, what is the grade for the NBA's bubble? I'll give them a B. And the reason I'll give them a B is because the good aspect of it is that they've obviously, they obviously had a plan. They obviously put forth some effort to work with all parties involved to try to make this something that was workable and doable for everybody. As far as like um, addressing the fact that there were a handful of teams that were not out of the possibility of making the playoffs when this whole thing ended, Um, you know, they could have really just, and, and I think, although you'd have had an occasional argument from a few teams, you really could have just said, we're just going to take the top 16. We're going to have a few tune-up games and then we're going to put them out there 
based on the seating that they were in. And honestly, you might've had a couple of sour pusses about it, but you probably would have been able to do that and, and, it, and it would have been fine. Um, the fact that they tried to incorporate those teams that were still fighting for a playoff spot was big for me. I thought that was a good point. The other aspect of it that, you know, like I said, they had the tune-up games, they had the effort to try to make it safe um, and do it in a safe manner. Those were good points to me that I think, you know, we've unfortunately seen sometimes from professional sports uh, organizations where you don't get that kind of thought put into things. So um, I was actually pretty happy about that. The reason why it was only a B though, is because I personally just don't feel like the location was very good. I understand a bubble is a bubble, but I don't feel like Orlando, Florida was a good spot. Um, just generally speaking with the issues that Florida is having as a whole right now, um, but just the fact that it's Orlando, Florida. I mean, let's be realistic. They opened Disneyland or Disney World, excuse me. So, you know, you've already got an increased possibility of things happening just by virtue of being in that area. You know, there's a handful of states that the outbreak is not, has really, really gone in a great direction as far as like flattening the curve and all the terms that we've been hearing. Uh, places like, you know, your New York's and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not a real big believer in distractions for players and stuff. So I think a place like New York or somewhere up north might have been a little bit better since some of those states have actually done a really good job of people listening and doing what they're supposed to be doing um, to try to, you know, keep this thing from, from spreading again. So um, I just think the reason I give them a B is because I think they could have done a better job of location. But everything else, uh, in my opinion, was actually very good. You're never going to control players. You're never going to completely control these dudes. If you give them latitude um, in any area when it comes to something like this, they're going to take as much as they can. So um, that's on them. Um, I, and I think the, I don't feel like that aspect of the NBA has changed, even with this sort of contingency plan that they're going through right now. I don't feel like anything has changed. These players are given latitude in a normal season and they go out and they do idiotic things. So um, I don't really, to me, that's not really much of a factor in the way I grade them. So yeah, I give them a B. I will, I will try to balance out Terrell Huff's 11 minutes soliloquy on his grade. That was system. not 11 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but really, um, I'll be the Russian judge. C minus. Human nature, you must account for it. You did not. You failed. Well, you didn't fail. But <laughs> you did not. You did not. I'm, I'm very Ed White with this. You did not do what you had. <laughs> so here you are in your life getting a C minus. You could have had a B, but look at you. You're average. You're just you could have had. You could have had a B. <laughs> slightly. You slightly. You're one step up. You're you one get a C. Chicken wing away from being at a D. One chicken wing away. Hey, they call wings in Atlanta wings. One wing. One wang away from being at a D. <laughs> One wang. And I have to I have to account for that. You got you got dudes wandering off of campuses and such and bringing back food and COVID oh, and all sorts of Wandering stuff. off like, like, like lost their dreams. My man T R would have been like, you need to return to the bubble expeditiously. <laughs> it's chaos, Daniel. It's chaos in the streets. Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna have a bubble, you gotta you gotta have a bubble, baby. You gotta have a right. bubble. If you're gonna have a bubble, you gotta have a bubble, man. And so Good, I man. See- we, we got we got you, Lou, Lou Wilson Bell, man. You know what I'm saying? Like the great Latrell Sprewell said, I'm trying to feed my family, bro. You know what I'm saying? He's out here trying to feed his family with them wings. With Ain't nothing wrong with that. It's all, all a man got to do take care of his own, take care of his family, man. Everybody eat the wings. 
And so that that gives them an overall grade of a C plus. The NBA checking in at a C plus um, because I gave him a C minus. Daniel gave him a C plus. Terrell gave him a whole ass B. Man, Terrell was was great with it, <laughs> even though they're in Florida. And I thought that was a pretty big mark off as well at uh, Terrell. So I, I did enjoy that logic. So anyway, we gonna move on. Uh, it seems it was crazy about this is that like as every as every Every place is uh, every sport is restarting. They all have like one major like storyline going too as well with the restarts. So it's like mm. we're talking about two things simultaneously for like each sport. And with that said, we're moving on to the WNBA, and this is uh we're going to go back to y- y'all's favorite segment, Derek Reeds. <laughs> and so uh, much like thank you, Daniel. Much like with the NBA's protocol, the players will be sent a medical history questionnaire to fill out. Uh, the WNBA's version. We'll move on. So basically, they're checking for COVID-19 symptoms and if they've been in contact with anyone who may have tested positive, um, and then they'll assess the risk factors um, and see who's most susceptible to the virus. Uh, doctors will review that questionnaire, um, see who's higher risk, and then um, if they will be allowed to sit out for the season um, and still collect their full paycheck if they are deemed to be high risk. Uh, prior to tra- traveling to IMG, which is in uh, Florida, uh, birth. Burton, Florida, I think is what it's, is, uh, excuse me, Bradenton, Florida. Um, they're going to be at the IMG Academy. That's where the WNBA players are. Um, prior to traveling, uh, they were tested three times for COVID-19 and are, were required to stay at home a week prior to the departure date. Um, if they were tested positive, they would not be allowed to travel to the team until they could, you know, pass quarantine. Then they would be able to be cleared and join up with the team in the bubble. Uh, once the team arrives at IMG, they will be tested again, and then they will be sent to their rooms to quarantine for four days. All players and staff will be tested daily for the first two weeks, and then after that, they will taper off slightly uh, with regular testing supplemented by temperature checks. Um, a positive test would send them into quarantine and possibly send them home, um, and then they will be subject to extra testing. Uh, to prevent the spread, they're doing regular testing and temperature checks, uh, and, uh, you know, again, they will be monitoring to see if there are any tests, uh, any positive tests, and then they'll, uh, they'll go accordingly. So the league is limiting the number of people allowed to the bubble to just 12 players and six staff. So 18 people total. Remember I said NBA teams were allowed to bring 37 teams, uh, excuse me, 37 people. And then the WNBA is only allowing 18 people. So a, a lot, a lot fewer to people coming, but that makes it harder for the WNBA staff. And then interesting enough, uh, the, the uh, start of the season, which actually kicked off yesterday, um, it was televised across ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, C- CBS, and CBS Sports. Um, they had uh, they had opening weekend dedicated to the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, you know, they had uniforms that were designed to affirm Black Lives Matter and honor the victims of police brutality and racial violence. Uh, it's, Black Lives Matter took a prominent role on the courts. And then, uh, of course, the uh, New York Liberty and Seattle Storm actually walked off the court uh, during the national anthem. And so that's how the WNBA kicked off its its season with those two teams walking off the court during the national anthem and with those quarantine rules in place for the bubble. So what do we think about all that? We're going all that into a pot. You got to give me an opinion. You got to blurt it out, Daniel. What, what's going on with the WNBA? Well, before we get WNBA, I just want to say that uh, Florida's making out pretty well with this whole COVID thing, huh? Like their well, testing is terrible in terms of them, uh, you know, keeping them in control. But all these <laughs> leagues are going there for <laughs> their season. 
they're yeah. making all this money. I'm like, well, the wife's Florida coming out all golden from this COVID thing. Yeah, they don't deserve this at all. <laughs> yeah, especially when they didn't do anything to to. No, they've done, they've done nothing to curb this at all, and yet they're getting all like the the presents and the benefits of it. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, something I forgot to say uh, to to Terrell's point when he was talking about how you know they could have been in new york is they actually probably couldn't have been in new york because new york ain't gonna let them come because <laughs> they're gonna try to move it out right. of new york. i mean i get you yeah so you do have to go to one of these places that's kind of lawless and florida is the most lawless yeah. and so it seems like that unfortunately has worked out to their economic benefit because the lawless nature has allowed uh, these leads to be like well which kind of makes me want to which kind of makes me want to change my grade form because <laughs> that's the part that is so annoying is like you know, you chose the worst possible place to go because they allowed you like, you know, like this is this is it would have been to me more responsible to say we're going to hold our players accountable. We're going to hold our staff accountable. And if you let us come to your state or city or whatever it is, we're, you're not going to have to be concerned with us being the reason why you might have an uptick or you might have. Uh, a, a new outbreak or, or a, a worsening of a current outbreak. Um, so to me, that's almost not really a, a check for them. The NBA, that is, that's more along the lines of, Hey, let's just go where they'll let us, you know, get away with some stuff. Like, no dude, like that to me makes it feel like, you know, they may not have necessarily been trying to err on the side of caution. And they may just been like, who will take us? Anybody? We just want to have this big bubble series of basketball games. Like, anybody? Like, anybody? Like, nah, man. I mean, if that's the case, they should have just came right here to Texas. And uh, I do want to clean something up from last uh, – last, uh, with the NBA. I didn't specify that they also are doing some things with Black Lives Matter. As we mentioned weeks ago, yeah. um, they're allowing uh, players to replace their last name with a, a slogan that has anything to do with uh, social justice. Um, there's some specific phrases that they're allowed to put on Black Lives Matter being among them, uh, say her, say her names, say their names, uh, things of that nature. Um, also LeBron James, uh, I think the first day that they did their scrimmage, LeBron James came out and said Black Lives Matter is a, is a lifestyle, um, and that he still wants justice for Breonna Taylor. And so I want to make sure that I also spotlight what the NBA is doing as I did with the WNBA. Um, so I just wanted to clean that up real quick. Um, and then, you know, back to yelling at, uh, sports leagues for being in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> But um, for the WNBA, though, it's kind of what I expected because, you know, um, they kind of are pretty close with the NBA in terms of decision making and such. They kind of follow the same protocols. So it makes sense that they kind of go with the whole bubble uh, aspect of it. Um, but the thing for right now, for, for basketball anyways, it's kind of the best way to, to go about it at this point if you actually want to have games. Now, it's going to be interesting because I thought it was going to be tough for the players just for the NBA with the just playoff games just because, you know, you're in that one location kind of just doing nothing but playing ball, can't go anywhere, stuff like that. But now we can see it for actual regular season. Now that's going to be interesting as well because usually you have less of a, you know, concern or focus during the regular season as opposed to your playoffs. But for this one, we're actually going to see them going through being in that bubble, so to speak, for a regular season. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in terms of the players' mindset, you know, how they can adjust to that. Um, will there be people also maybe leaking out more now than usual because it's regular season games and that kind of grinds on you after a while? So that'd be interesting to kind of track and follow. Um, but then also, of course, got to give kudos to the WBA because they've always been very outspoken in terms of social justice issues and not surprising at all. The tech kind of take the lead on this as well. Um, doing very, you know, very powerful things in terms of uh, symbolism uh, on the court 
walking out or walking off the court, during natural anthem for symbolism as well. Um, hats off to them as always. I mean, it's not surprising, but it's still something you have to give them props for because they've never been afraid to kind of show where they stand and to kind of speak loud and proud about what they believe in. And they're still continuing to uh, go for it right now, too. That's amazing to see. Yeah, no, shocking, black, shocking. Black women leading the way. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say <laughs> that. But I was also going to clean up that Dan reminded me another thing that I need to say, which is that they will be playing their 12 teams in the bubble and they will be playing 22 uh, regular season games and then a playoff. So, yeah, a lot of games to get through for the WNBA because, like some of these other leagues that aren't the NBA and the, NH- and the NHL, they have to play – they're going to play their well, – they're going to play a, a regular season because they had not done that yet. Um, but, yeah, like, like Terrell said, just to, to piggyback off that, it's not shocking that the WNBA would, would be probably, you know, leading the way and, 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 and being – as outspoken as they are and as emphatic as they are, because they were, they were doing this when, no, when it wasn't popular. They were among the first mm-hmm. as a league uh, to kind of back Colin Kaepernick as like a, a, a unit. Uh, they were, they were doing it and, and making powerful statements back when it wasn't, back when it wasn't popular. Um, and so as, as, I mean, Terrell put it as, as succinctly and as, as uh, well as you could, which is uh, not shocking that black women out here leading the way, um, especially black women who also have uh a big footprint in the LBT uh, GQ community as well. So they know what this is. Um, they know about the oppression um, uh, that some of their sisters in the league face as well um, through that, through that venue. Um, and then, you know, as we always talk about with some of that intersectionality, intersectionality as being black women and being of that community. Um, so uh, not surprising that they're leading the way on this. Uh, I, I second that emotion, man. I mean, when you consider that, and it's interesting because when the WNBA first kicked off, and here's here's going to be one of my one of my weird flexes. Um, well, we haven't had one in a while, so this is good. Um, when I when I um, was in the military in the late '90s, '99, 2000 timeframe, right around the time when the WNBA really, you know, had got going. Uh, I guess that was really right around its infancy when it was just sort of you know, kicking off. Um, I'm talking Cynthia Cooper. I'm talking about those names. When the uh, Houston Comets won every championship ever. <laughs> she was amazing, by the way. Um, I um, I was in Utah, and Salt Lake, of course, had a team that eventually became the San Antonio team. Um, but it's interesting because there was a lot of, like, knuckleheads that I knew when the WNBA really started getting its start. You know, one of the things that, oh, just going to be a bunch of lesbians out there and it's just going to be and it's interesting because you mentioned the lgbtq community that's the thing exactly they've been dealing with this back at a time when their voice wasn't being heard even when they were screaming from the rooftops like hey you know what i'm saying like we're people we're out here you know we're professionals we're athletes and it's interesting because now that all that going on some 20 some odd years ago that has essentially it's almost like it feels like it's prepared them for everything that's going on now it was almost second nature for them to support all these movements because they had been through it and no one was talking about it so it's wild to me that it's like we we shouldn't be surprised at all like we and i was using i was being sarcastic when i said oh shocking you know, black women leading the way. But I mean, it's like, you know, that's exactly 
the way it's looked at right now is just sort of like, it's almost like it's taken for granted. Like, oh yeah, they've been talking about those things. So we're not surprised. And that's sad to me in a way, because it's like, exactly. They, they, this is what we see on a regular basis. We see it in, in life that's not even having anything to do with sports. And that's that you have women, predominantly black women, of all walks of life are out here speaking up and have been doing it. And now we just want to notice it now because, hey, the dudes have finally come on board. <laughs> and then it's like, look, you know, and they're just over here like, hey, we've been doing this. We've been on this train, partner. You knew. So, yeah, man, that, that's that's actually really, really cool to me. Um, I I really was impressed with the fact that, you know, there wasn't a lot of like, like, for instance, when we talked about the New York team and, and Seattle, like just walking off the court. Um, I still didn't feel like that was a disrespect thing as much as it's like, just like I was just talking about y'all don't seem to listen to us very well. Like we could say whatever we want to say, but we have to go out and do something like this for y'all to talk about it. And I heard some people that was upset about it. And there was a couple of people that tweeted out and I'm just like, whatever, man, like then don't watch, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, this was, that was another moment that we keep having thrown in front of us. And I hope we don't continue to take it for granted what these women are out here doing because they're making a bigger difference than anybody really knows because people don't want to pay pay attention. So, yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, we talked about this in the group chat. I, shoot, I didn't even know the WNBA was planning on having a season, and then all of a sudden they're in the forefront of the consciousness. And uh, I had to I had to research up quick to to even catch up because I I had not even heard that they had released a plan. You hear all this stuff about the NBA's plan, the NFL's plan, the NHL's plan, MLB's plan. I I had to go out of my way to find stuff about the uh, the WNBA's plan. So it, it, they are unfortunately taken for granted in a, in a lot of ways, um, even though they're doing a lot, a lot of good work. Um, and 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 I think your point about them having to be a little louder to get noticed is is a, is a salient one because it it speaks to uh, privilege in this country. Um, the less you are heard, the more emphatic your statement has to be, so that you can be heard. Um, that's what protest is, right? If you're not listening to someone, they have to escalate their protest accordingly so that you will eventually listen. And that's um, that's sort of what we see here with the WNBA. Um, from a from a bubble standpoint, um, and this isn't te- te- technically my point, but I thought it was a good point. I like their chances a lot better than the w- than the NBA, uh, just because it's, it seems like it's smaller, it's more limited. It's they're, Frankly, they're just not as famous. They're off to the side a little bit, so that'll also help them uh, keep a keep – a, uh, tight a tight bubble on it um they're only allowing 18 players and they they seem more than anybody like they're about this, they're about their business and they're going to get the season done now they do have a lot more to do um they have a 22 game uh, schedule and then uh and then playoffs so we'll see if that if just the uh, attrition of time uh kind of catches up to them because they just have more work to do uh than the nba does in terms of getting that season accomplished uh uh, so from a bubble standpoint, though, I do like where, where I do like what they've done. Um, I was just going to say my weird flex part I forgot um, was we would go in the club in in Salt Lake City, and whenever there was an NWNBA game, you would always see the WNBA players in there. And so I got to, you know, talk to quite a few, and and they were pretty cool. So that's all. That was my weird flex. Sorry. Girl, <laughs> Huff has been partying with Becky Hammond. No. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> funny is that. 
it was right. I was there before Becky Hammond joined the league. So I never got a chance to meet Becky Hammond. That would have been for me the ultimate flex because I'm a huge, huge fan of hers. So, um, uh, but like Margot Dedek, who was like seven foot tall. Yeah, she was so tall. Dude, I, that was the most, like, I, I don't think I had ever seen a woman at that point that was that tall. And I never got to meet like Lisa Leslie or anybody. Um, but Margot Dedek, like I was like, I, you know, and it was so funny because she had a great sense of humor about it um, because it is. I think they realize it's startling if, you know, because even though they're, they're, they play basketball, um, it's often startling for us as men to see a, a woman that's 5'9", 5'10", 5'11", maybe six foot. That's like, wow, mm-hmm. she's tall. Because you start thinking about, oh, what if she had heels on, you know, and then we start thinking about our masculinity. You know how we are, especially when I'm at mm-hmm. that point, I was like 23, 24 years old. So I admit I she walked into the club and I had my back turned and I turned around and, and basically was out of chest. <laughs> so, yeah, you can imagine how that that went. But uh, she was real cool. And uh, but, you know, that's the thing is that. You meet them and they're out and about and it's like they don't have that sense of sort of like entitlement that you get from some of these male like professional athletes. Uh, they're really down to earth and really cool people. So, uh, yeah, that was really kind of a fun moment, uh, you know, just bumping into them at different times and really getting to like kind of hang out with some of them. And they were really, really cool. So I'm not surprised by anything that I'm seeing right now from WNBA players. Daniel can attest, uh, you know, Tall women, I do not let my masculinity let me get in the way of a good time, if you know That's what I mean. What's up. Yeah. <laughs> a good time. <laughs> true that. True that. Uh, so, so, what do you guys think from a bubble standpoint about what the WNBA is doing? I mean, you know, let's transition into our grades. I mean, I, you know what? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say A, and the only reason I'm going to say it is because really – because of the issues that admittedly are out there right now, which is that we don't get a ton of attention paid to what's going on in WNBA. Um, I would give them an A still because one, I think they're going to be a great test. I don't want to say a test, but if you watch how they're doing it, as far as like the limiting of, of staff versus players and all that stuff like that. And you look at what they're doing as far as, and I understand the dynamics are different because of the fact that let's be realistic. Their mentality is probably different than the men for the most part. Um, I still give it an A because they're, you know, they're there for business. You know, they're there to play basketball. They're not going to complain about food. They're not going to complain about, um, not seeing this person, that person. You haven't heard any stories about anybody that wasn't already not going to be in the bubble. Like, oh, I got to get out of the bubble right quick and I got to go do X, Y, Z right quick and then I'll be back. You're not hearing any of that. So I think they're going to be a really good lesson going forward. And I think it's only going to be helpful if something like this were to ever happen again. Hopefully not. So I'll give them an A just because. I feel like we've got such a small sample size from them. And from what we've seen, they're doing a really great job. Yeah. Um, for me, I give them a B. Uh, in terms of the actual procedure set up for the bubble, I'll, I want to give them the same grade as the NBA, so that C plus. Um, but they get that little boost because of, like Charles saying, the players. It seems like they're actually taking it much more serious in terms of their demeanor, in terms of, you know, following the guidelines and such. Um, so we've seen it before with them, you know, most WNBA players, you rarely hear about them, you know, acting 
crazy out there, like in social media. You, you have a few stories as you will, but not as much as you would for the men. Mm-hmm. Um, so they still hold true to that in terms of being the bubble. Then, yeah, they should have a higher grade, I think, than the NBA. So I'll give them that B for it. But overall, though, it's still in Florida. Um, it's still the same type of setup to where, you know, uh, they're not, they don't have to stay on the compound no matter what. They can still leave if, you know, they get permission, things of that nature. They probably don't have people outside make sure no one leaves and such. So, um, there's still people as well. So as humans, they, some people may get, like I said, bit stir crazy, restless, want to go out just for a little bit. And if that happens, then of course that's going to cause more drama. Um, so that's why I can't give them, um, you know, a completely perfect score and like that, but I do want to give them a little bit higher than the NBA because they get that bonus for the players and how it seems that they take it a little more seriously for right now face value than their NBA counterparts. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I will give them a B minus. Uh, they have, like Daniel just pointed out, he actually kind of changed my mind. I was going to go a little higher, but he, he pointed, he made a good argument, man. They have all the same real problems that the NBA does, except for the fact that they are women. And so they have sense. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so they'll, uh, they'll probably avoid some of those trappings and it seems like they already have, um, you know, I give them probably a little extra bonus just because of their handling of the black lives matter as well. Um, with some serious, uh, doing a serious uh, thing to start off the season there. Not that the NBA didn't take it seriously, but it seems like the WNBA just kind of bested them yet again. Um, and then, uh, you know, I had to take off points because they're just also in Florida. You know, that's a byproduct of being tied to the, to the NBA is that they're probably going to be close to the same place. And that place is still stupid. <laughs> so they get a B minus. And so uh, overall that takes them down to, let's see, average between A and B is a B is an A minus, they got a solid B. So that's where the WNBA got overall was a, uh, was a B. And so we will move on to the MLB because they out here losing their minds, y'all. They out here wilding. Wow, man, wow, wow. Um, and so they started off uh, they restarted their league in full this this week. Um, yeah. Basically, they had a spring training that uh, took place in early July. Um, now they've gotten to uh, the, the season portion. Um, they're going to go every other day on testing unless the temperature exceeds 100.4. Um, then they'll be tested no matter the day and sent home. Uh, they also require to take their own temperatures before coming to the ballpark. Anyone with a fever will be told to stay away. Um, some players have already decided to sit out, such as Ian Desmond of the Rockies, Mike Leach of the Diamondbacks, Ryan Zimmerman, and jo- Joe Ross of the Nationals. Um, they played a few inter-squad exhibition games before, during summer camp to get going again. Uh, pretty much all MLB teams are staying at their stadiums, um, and they're playing home games, I guess, at their stadium or a stadium close to home. Um, and so they they are doing some flying. They don't have a, a bubbled approach as the other two sports have. Um, they are discouraging fans from staying from gathering at this park. So the parks are completely empty, um, and they're trying to keep fans from even being outside of the parks. Um, basically, uh, some of the on-field changes. Uh, the National League will have a designated hitter for the entire year. Um, so just like the American League, now the National League will also have a designated hitter. Um, we're already seeing some interesting things going with that. Uh, re- relief pitchers have to face a minimum of three batters unless the inning ends. Um, in extra innings, they, they start a runner on second base. Um, and so each team basically starts with a runner on second base to start the inning. And if they can get that guy home, obviously, same rules apply as, as normal. 
um, it's just with a runner starting out in scoring position. Um, opening day rosters start at 30 active players um, from a 60-man player pool. The active roster has to be trimmed down to 28 players by the 15th day of the season and then 26 players by the 29th day of the season. The tread, day, tread deadline will happen – the tread deadline, huh? The trade deadline will happen on August 31st, and you'll have to be on the roster by September 15th to be postseason eligible. Um, in the playoffs, they're moving to a 16-team uh, playoff uh, system so basically uh one versus it's basically like the nba at this point um uh, all in the wild card round the home the d team with home field advantage will have home field for each of the three games um and then in the divisional round it proceeds as basically normal from there divisional round is the normal 2-2-1 two -two format and the uh, world series and, and conference and the uh championship rounds are the same format as usual um with uh, I believe the first overall seed gets to choose its opponent. I think that's something I heard. I'm not sure. Uh, and so MLB's just decided to change the whole sport. It's like COVID's here, change the whole sport, which frankly is something we wanted the NBA to do a little bit of, and they didn't. The MLB actually got a little more bold with it. Um, what do you think about – oh, and then in terms of protest, uh, we saw that a Dodger nailed during the national anthem – uh, to start the season off uh, on Friday was the day they started the season. Um, and that was that was Mookie Betts, yes, yeah. um, of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And so that's where they're going on uh, Black Lives Matter. They also have patches that say Black Lives Matter on their jersey, which just kind of – for me, it was surreal to see patches that say Black Lives Matter on an MLB jersey from a standpoint of that's just how mainstream this has gotten, yeah. is that the MLB just has it on their jersey. And we know they're not the most progressive of sports. Uh, so that's what the MLB yeah. is. Um, in terms of their high profile starting of the season. And, uh, hey, Terrell, our A's, they got a big win, baby, on, on opening night. That's what I'm saying. Hey, man. A, a close one, too. You know, low scoring, which is pretty much what most of their games are like. So, except for when they play the Houston Astros with they sorry asses. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, that's great. I, and and the, the, the playoff format might actually get us to a point where, you know, it ain't going to be no damn playing game <laughs> like we get every year. Louis <laughs> can't win that thing. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how that works out. But, um, now nah, you know, I, I'm, I'm not uh, – on one end, I'm really happy with the MLB for at least saying, hey, man, we, we got to look at some new things because I feel like they realize that their popularity is waning and they also realize that there is a part of the fan base – that is, for lack of a better term, passing on. Um, you know, I mean, realistically, you know, the guys Burrell, that were watching baseball. Burrell says years, the fans are dying in this yeah, sport. They're you know, dying. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> you know, I mean, hey, I mean, you know, there was a time frame in the 70s and 80s where baseball was something that was, you know, it's what you talked about. Uh, more so than the NFL, more so than the NBA. And, and that time is gone. And, and a lot of the fans that made that what it was back in the 70s and 80s are no longer with us or they're on their way out. So it's one of those situations where, and we've talked about this, I think, before in passing that, you know, MLB ha has to modernize. They have to look at some of the things that, you know, when you have situations where you have teams – with pretty dang good records, you know, uh, that can't get into the playoffs, um, or you have, and yet on the other end, you have bad teams that, 
you know, just happen to be in certain divisions and we see it in every sport. Um, does baseball have too many games? That's going to probably eventually have to be addressed in a regular season. 162 is a hell of a lot of games when you probably don't need more than 100. Um, so there's a lot of things that I think, I don't think that, I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. I think a lot of things are about to change. Um, you're probably going to have some technology involved in calling balls and strikes here pretty soon. They've already kind of tested some of that out. Um, so um, I, what I found interesting was a story about how Toronto was like, <laughs> y'all need to kick rocks because we ain't bringing no Americans in here to play no yeah. games. Yeah. Um, I thought that <laughs> the funny thing is, is most people might consider that to be like a bad thing. I actually consider that to be amazing because I, we reap what we sow down here. And bottom line is, if I'm running this, 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 the country of Canada, I would... I, I wouldn't want anybody coming up there, especially running however many teams in and out of, you know, Toronto and, and you know, and, and bringing them up there. No, I would. I agree because they're not going to do a bubble from what it sounds like. So therefore, to me, I'm like, no, I, I'm, I'm actually very happy that they said, nah, y'all got to kick rocks and go play your game somewhere else. Take, let them go to Nebraska or something. But y'all not yeah, going to play no games up here. So, Toronto actually went yeah. to Buffalo. They're playing their games in Buffalo. Well, there you go. That's close by. So they can go ahead and rock with that because, you know, I mean, and that's cool because, you know, anybody else that want to be out there playing around, you can throw them over Niagara Falls. The point of the matter is, is that, you know, just for them to be able to, and I'm talking about Canada, just for the leadership there to be like, nope, we ain't doing this because we did what we were supposed to do. And don't get me wrong, it ain't like there's no outbreak at all and Canada wasn't affected. But at the same time, people up there for the most part are being pretty damn responsible about this and we are the complete opposite. So I'm actually really happy that Toronto said, nah, we good, we're going to sit this one out. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah it, it, Sorry, it's I'm actually like, it's sad. It's, it's sad. Oh, great deal with it. My, my bad, yeah. I was I was just gonna make a bad joke, but I'll finish it off. Uh, I was just gonna say they canceled Big Brother Canada, man. It hurt my soul. COVID canceled <laughs> Big Brother Canada. <laughs> Look what y'all took from me. Y'all taking everything now. <laughs> I don't know, but, but it is <laughs> it, it, it is both sad and hilarious though that Canada's like, yeah, y'all so y'all can't follow no type of direction. So why would you have y'all come up here and try to play some games? Because <laughs> Americans apparently just don't listen. For generations, you've been telling everybody how we're the, the greatest in the world and <laughs> the top notch of everything. It's like, oh, well, currently not following direction from people. So, yeah, for that, I, because of that, I am out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for the MLB, though, I think it's actually a pretty shrewd move by them um, because regardless of any type of changes to the game, um, with COVID, uh, with the protesting and stuff, there's no way that this season would have been like a regular season in terms of how things are done and played. So since it's going to be different anyway, you might as well try some new stuff um, because really your fans can't really complain too much about changes because like it's going to be different no matter what, you know, because of COVID, because of players being in and out. Um, so it's, it's a good way for them to kind of test drive some stuff in like a live setting to kind of like you were saying, Chiro, try to fire back up their fan base or get more fans in. Also, the fact that we're all still in quarantine and locked down, uh, you might actually have more people trying to watch baseball just because it gives them something to do aside from, you know, watch the news or whatever they're doing. So now they can get more feedback on, okay, do people really, are really, are they really receptive to these changes? You know, it's kind of picking up some steam. And now we kind of know for sure going into next season, if that's more of a regular, regular, regular season, you can keep those changes or kind of switch them out here or there. 
So that's good on their part. They kind of saw the writing on the wall and they're starting to make those changes. And like you're saying, now is a good time as any because you can have to make changes no matter what. Um, in terms of them for the social justice though, then yeah, I'm, I'm surprised, but also proud of them as well for actually, you know, taking that stand and actually starting to do something in terms of putting the package on the jerseys because, you know, the jerseys are sacred in baseball because, you know, it's America's pastime and such. We're putting patches on there. Um, the players stepping up, even some of the managers are actually stepping up as well and me dealing with the players too. So that's, that's actually big for them. Um, but then when it comes to the whole bubble quarantine dealing safety for the players thing, they kind of fell spectacularly because basically it's like, hey, business as usual, just test yourself and then come play and then test yourself afterwards and that's about it. <laughs> so with that, it's like, okay, well, hey, we're going to play these games no matter what, but if people get sick, then, you know, you go off to the side and we'll keep keep it moving. So for the greater good, sacrifice your body for the sport. <laughs> and then we're going to play these games to keep us going. And I'm like, what in the world are y'all doing? <laughs> you seem like like news articles pop up that some teams are dealing with an outbreak of COVID and trying to get it under control and everything. So this is probably going to continue on throughout the entire season into the playoffs. Um, so this will be a real litmus test in terms of will Kobe just, you know, wreck an entire league if they kind of just go business as usual or not, because it's the uh, baseball doesn't really care. They're going to keep it moving and travel and play all these games. So I guess we get to see how it goes. Yeah. It's a, it's a 60 game schedule. Um, and they've tried to limit travel a bit by keeping, because the, the divisions are already pretty, pretty divisional anyway. So you pretty much stay in your area. So they're trying to keep it limited by playing basically divisional games and then intra-league games that are close. Like, for instance, the A's would play like the Dodgers and the Giants. So they'll do those kind of things and try to keep them in the same vicinity, in the same state and such. Uh, but I, I, I got to agree with Daniel that it was jarring to not only see that they I, – I, I looked it up while we were talking to make sure. It's like, did I miss something? Are they just traveling? They're just traveling, traveling? And, yeah, they, they are just traveling, traveling. And then on top of that, when I read the whole – yeah – Players will be expected to take their own temperature, and then if they if they have a high fever, we will encourage us. Hey, you just stay away, all right, buddy? You stay away today. Your your, your fever is kind of high there, fella. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was, that was a lot to be desired in terms of in terms of that aspect of it. Hey, um, so instead of the dude peeing for you for the uh, steroid test, you just have somebody take his take his t- temperature. Hey, man, just put the same out. Don't worry about it. Hey, hey, hey take his temperature for me. This is MLB <laughs> right? <laughs> and then um, it was it was interesting to watch uh, baseball. I thought Daniel's point that you know maybe people would uh, would have would be like, hey man, three hours ain't as long when you ain't got nothing else to do. No way. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe more fans will come and watch the the baseball game. I, I actually watched the baseball game, but I'll I'll watch a national televised game if the A's are on. So that's not new for me. It was jarring. Um, to see a dude just start out a second because that first game went to extra, so I got to see that rule in play. Um, and it was interesting because the A's got that dude off a second because he he got caught in a rundown, which was hilarious to me. I mean, <laughs> so, so they didn't even get to take advantage of that. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. I think in a regular setting, because in this case, they're just trying to speed the games along as much as possible, so they want them to end quick. I think in a normal setting, maybe you would start that dude at first. Second's a little much because, you know, that's – pretty much just a hit and we're done here right so uh with no outs and a dude on first that's pretty i mean a dude on second that's pretty uh it's pretty jarring but i mean i i gotta i gotta take it in stride man because it's the baseball is so hesitant to to innovate that you know even them trying to innovate deserves a little bit of praise even if it looks odd or it looks weird i know some people were complaining about how the stadiums were empty but it's like hey man there's nothing they can do about that 
Now, the weren't, they, um, weren't they green screening some people for like while the uh, game was going, but then the replay, the green screen people aren't there? Is I think what was. Oh, happening. really? Yeah, <laughs> like right. they're using like some sort of CG to like make it look like there's people in the stands while you're watching the game. And then, of course, they're piping in noise. But from what I'm hearing, and I don't know if this is a specific team that's doing it, but that's what I was hearing because I know the NFL is thinking about it too. But basically there's some sort of process where during the game they can put use CG to have like where you can possibly see fans. And if somebody hits a home run, for instance, the ball goes out there, but then when they show the replay, it's just empty. So I feel like that's weird. I yeah. didn't see that. So I, can't, weird. I, can't, I can't, I can't attest to how it looks, yeah. but I feel like it's, it's jarring to be like, Oh, fans, even if it's like, you know, it's not fans, but like, yeah, just, like them ain't fans. <laughs> it's like, Oh, no fans. I feel like that's, if that's the case. Then you know what? They should just go ahead and, and use CG and just put like random people in the, and I'm talking about like, they should just CG some Harry Potter, like some there you go random celebrities Fred. random characters from like marvel or something in there characters in there put <laughs> iron man out there thor like just mm -hmm. just mix it up and make it hilarious and just or just cg anything out there like literally just like cg like i, I don't know like like video of the office like in the whole like bleachers like out in the mid in center field it could just be the office <laughs> playing hey, in Terrell, the yeah, uh, like, I mean, make it work, dude. I mean, so I don't know. I, I understand what they're trying to do, but that would be hilarious to me. It's just like, because I know, um, I think the NBA is doing, and I know we talked about it, but we kind of, I don't know if we've mentioned it, but the NBA, I guess, is going to have where people are going to be able to use social media. And then on the little, you know what they use in international play, how they have those ban those uh, banners on the sideline, um, on mm -hmm. the sideline. And then you can put stuff on there. So apparently, I guess they're going to be like allowing people to like post stuff about the game. Like if people are live tweeting and then you can see it um, or maybe people having wow. reactions from them watching the game and they will put the reaction yeah. on their social media and then they're going to put it on the, the banner uh, on that. Cause that banner is usually green cause it's technically a green screen and they can put whatever they want on it. So basically they're, they're saying, I guess people can go into a particular app. And then when they go on the app and they they record their reaction to plays and stuff, they can put that on the green screen. So that's what I've been hearing as well. I wonder how they're going to filter that in terms of what they choose to put on the screen or not. Because, you know, some people are going to be wilding out here just calling, yeah. like, LeBron out of out his name. You know what? They going all across the There's stadium. There's some delays and some, some censoring <laughs> right there. LeBron is soft. He can't – he's never going to be greater than Jordan. He – his finals record <laughs> – like he always dunk like that. He do that same dunk. It don't even that ain't even nothing. No, I, I mean stuff worse than that. You know what I'm talking about. People forget yeah, like oh, yeah. visceral when it comes to oh, LeBron. Yeah. So I'm saying like they had to make sure that they like you said pre screen or something right. or I don't know how they're gonna do that, but yeah, D, people will be going use, in on LeBron for. I couldn't use the real language they would use because it's sexist type language, and so I had to, I had to just yeah. keep it off. Uh, okay. I, I knew what you meant, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, y'all told me, y'all told me softball. I was like, y'all, no, y'all know what I'm talking about. They can give them that crazy stuff. So, that, 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 that they would never, that they would never say to him face to face if they ever saw him in real <laughs> life. They would never even think of saying it to his face. I, I like the idea of the fans in the stands, but I want to make it more regional. Like that, that fit. you got to have people that are like from that area. 
famous people or like famous celebrities or famous like like uh and then like all of marvel would just be in new york because every fucking avengers in new york apparently they just yeah. all live like Stanley warriors like in the stands. Like, all the fucking superheroes apparently are in new york it's like Stan, you, got, you, got, you got any other cities homes <laughs> so. You put Thanos behind home plate. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I, yeah, MLB's trying, man. I don't know if they're succeeding. They're definitely not succeeding in terms of quarantine, but <laughs> but they they they, they put forth. The, they definitely look like a league who struggled to even get a season going, and then the last second came together and made a plan. Yeah. Because they went from like Look, a man, you know what I'm saying? to 60 games. They they paired that. It, it almost ended up being like 48 games. Like they was that was supposed to be the nuclear option was just 48 games. And we'll just figure it out as we go. So the fact that they got 60 and, you know, they got a couple of countries that decided they weren't going to let no games happen. <laughs> it worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, see, I mean, look, look, y'all are baseball fans. So, you know, nobody bats a thousand. So, look, they got the innovations for the game. Check. They got the social justice within the game, check. And then you have the safety of your players and well-being going forward for the rest of their lives. Ah, but you got two out of three, so that's a pretty good percentage, right? You know, that's baseball. Exactly. Well, I mean, and, and I'll say this. Us, us seeing this trial run of a shortened amount of games, I, it, it goes, it kind of goes unsaid, but I really do think this is a trial run. And this is one of those situations where it's going to come down to, hmm, like, um, can we do a season that's shorter in the, in the next few years? Can we go from 162 to maybe 100? Uh, somewhere, obviously, 60 is going to be quite, you know, a little bit too little. But could it be 90 to 100 games versus 162? Could that happen? Um, maybe. Um, I, I mean, let's be realistic. Unless players are just like, well, I need to be able to hit X amount of home runs. First of all, the home run thing, unfortunately, is no longer a thing anymore. So players probably aren't going to be overly concerned, you know, especially when you look at the way rest is, is taken into consideration and stuff like that. A shorter season is probably going to help these players out. The only issue is obviously the owners are going to probably have the issue because they're, they're all about that revenue and people going to games and so on and so on. Maybe they don't care so much down in Florida because they don't, don't nobody go to the oh, games. Okay. I thought you were talking about something else. Huh? No, my bad. Well, no, I'm saying because don't nobody go to the games in the foot flight. The Marlins, ain't nobody going to the damn games. Oh. But, you know, but that being said, so I don't think the owners care about how many fans are at those games regardless. But, I mean, like there's places where they sell out on a nightly basis and people show up regardless. So it's like, you know, those owners might have some issues with a shorter season. But I mean, realistically, if you're not having to keep that stadium open for 100, and, you know, however many games it is or 80 something games or whatever, you know, maybe that's something that's beneficial to them. So, I mean, I'll let number crunchers figure that stuff out. But I really do think this is going to be a trial run for less games um, and to try to keep people more involved as well as, you know, maybe having some more time in between games, um, something more similar to the NBA, uh, a couple of days between games as opposed to, I mean, these teams play like a four-game series. They play every night, and then they may have maybe have one day off, and then they play another three-game or four-game series. So, you know, if we can have something that works out like that. Um, and with all the rules changes, all of a sudden baseball could become a lot more interesting to casual people that, you know, don't really follow the sport by heart. 
Yeah, one thing I do think is untenable is a 16 is more than half your team is making the playoffs when you already play a 162 game schedule. That's yeah. that's, that's pretty outlandish. That's, that's but in, in this situation, it makes sense, I guess, because 60 game set. But in a normal baseball season, they I don't think that they can explain the playoffs that much. That's that's insane to me. That's um, too many games. So, so I'll just start it off with uh, with uh, my grade, and honestly, despite Daniel's valiant effort in trying to make it seem like I could, I could overlook that the one major thing they were tasked with doing, they failed. Put on your baseball hat, Derek. Put on your baseball mind, and now think percentage-wise. I, I have a baseball hat around here somewhere, but it's in the closet. So a D. They get a D. That's it. Dang. <laughs> that's that's the bottom line. Your your safety protocols are lacking, sir. And as long as those are lacking, you'll get a D from me. I'll start us off there. Uh, y'all can y'all can go. I give him a C. Look. A whole damn country banned you. I'll give you a C. And, and the only reason you get a C is because of the innovation and the effort to change when you resisted it. Or so, you know, matter of fact, C minus because I just realized you sons of bitches resisted. <laughs> Y'all resisted any sort of change for decades. Y'all resisted any sort of change, any. So now you know. I just thought about that C minus because as much as. Y'all, I, I love the fact that baseball made some really, really change, some deep changes, like really, really made an effort to make some really good changes. It took y'all too damn long. So, yeah, C minus. Well, like I said before, you know, baseball took a page out of the NBA's book, trying to be innovative, change the game up a little bit. So, got to give them credit for that. Um, they've made that push to incorporate social justice into the game, something that we never thought we'd ever see from baseball because they're a good old time, good old boy sport and everything. But, you know, unfortunately, this grade is heavily on the actual <laughs> quarantine <laughs> protection of the players. And with that, uh, they've done really nothing except have them test themselves <laughs> and then self-report, which if you know athletes, are you going to tell someone that you're hurt so you can't play? Like, uh, most likely not. So because of that, I have to give them a D minus. <laughs> and that's because their actual, actual quarantine thing that you're talking about for the grade, they really did nothing to try to protect or save them wait, at all. Wait, wait. So there's no way. Hold up. A D minus is basically your mama work at the school, and I want to give you an F. <laughs> but like, because like your mama they, work they, for the school, they, I ain't going to give you a whole ass F. I, I, I wanted, I wanted to fail them and, and have them repeat. Your mama the cafeteria lady, so I'm going to give you and, and a D minus. They got some patches on the jersey. So because of that, I'm not going to fail them. I shall give you a D minus. <laughs> So hopefully your other your other classes can help your GPA and you can graduate. Your pops is a janitor. <laughs> and I ain't trying to do you like that. I had to give you that one chance. He said, I'm going to give you a shot to graduate, Holmes. It's going to come down but, to your life. I, I was like, I'm not going to help you graduate, but I'm not going to keep you from graduating. At this point, now it's on you and your other classes to get there. Just show up. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was trying to be the Russian judge, man. Daniel took my thunder, bro. Damn. <laughs> uh, so with self-check, think about that though. We've been trying to get players to <laughs> to self-report concussions for for years, and that's never happened. <laughs> We've been trying to get players. We tell players, "Oh, you good job if you like broke your ankle, but got there and played anyways." Like that's amazing that you did that. It, that's what they've they've known and been written and been raised on. So why they can be like, "Oh, I have a fever." 
I can't play because I'm, I may have COVID. It's like, no, nah, I'm good to go, bro. This is just fall. I'm good to go, bro. <laughs> so like, yeah, I mean, I might, I might be a little warm and stuff, but I still can do my thing. I still can play. And we're getting close to the playoffs, so I got to play these games anyways. So it's up to me. I'm going to play. It's like, yeah, of course you're going to play because that's what athletes do. They play. <laughs> I will, I will, I will help baseball out a little bit. They are also uh, testing them every other day, unless their temperature exceeds 100. They're just also requiring them to self-check. I guess. Oh, I know, I know they're doing much stuff, but just the fact that they're like, yeah, self-check. Don't get <laughs> What were we doing here, bro? <laughs> For me, yeah, I mean, you're right, but you're still right. But I just want to make sure because I didn't want people. And we don't have these fans yet, but I want them to be like, they're not just self-checking. I didn't want that. Uh, that's true. Uh, but also. Even if they are checking, you're traveling. You're not in a bubble, so you fail. <laughs> <laughs> for the most part, <laughs> you fail for the most part. So uh, D- Daniel brought their grade back down to a D. Terrell tried to save him, get him to the land of seas. But D- Daniel was like, nah, you come in here with me in this land where these, these reign supreme. And so they're by far. Can't do nothing for you, homie. They're by far worse so far. With their D. So we'll move on to the NFL. I just want to point out before I read any of this stuff that when someone is so spectacularly wrong, we got to point it out for them. And Terrell, (laughs) you said that the players were never going to come out and speak against the NFL because of the culture. I understood it was a good point uh, because of the culture that the NFL has ingrained in them. And literally the next day, Every player started talking about how they, they ain't got no rules. They trying to have us come to these camps. <laughs> Russell came out. Richard I Shrink. stand corrected. <laughs> All the NFL. Uh, uh, J.J. Watt spoke out. <laughs> That's when you know you're doing something wrong. J.J. Right. like, yo, man, I love me some football, but y'all, y'all got me fucked up, man. Right. Y'all wilding. <laughs> y'all wilding. Yeah, yeah. Y'all gonna have to do something about no, no. Mm-mm. Uh, and so uh, the NFL had to put some rules in place as they get ready to start training camp. Um, first and foremost, uh, it doesn't seem like they have a plan for the regular season quite yet, necessarily. Maybe they'll just extend these training camp rules into the regular season. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Plan. This, this is their plan. So, uh, but what we do know is that they have canceled all preseason games. So there will be no preseason for the year of our Lord 2020, which I think everyone is, uh, is, is pretty, much, pretty much fine with. Uh, among the agreements that the NFL teams, and just to point out, the NFLPA did ratify this, so this is in place. Uh, the 80-man roster deadline is August 16th before private practices, but teams can have 90-man rosters if they go with a split squad setup. Some teams have plans to put split squads in new stadiums and regular practice facilities. Um, the salary cap will remain the same for 2020, um, and then there's a cap floor of $175 million in 2021 with the possibility of it being higher based on revenue. Uh, the loss of any potential revenue will be spread out over the next four years through 2024. Uh, there will be a fund established to pay back any benefits eliminated as a result of COVID-19 up to, to 2023, as well as paying back any lost guaranteed money to players. Um, NFL players considered high risk for to COVID-19 can earn uh, $350,000 in an occurred NFL season if they choose to opt out of the 2020 season. Players without risk can earn 150000 for opting out. Uh, players who make a team's cut get a 300000 stipend if the season is canceled and no games are played. If the season is canceled before the cutdown date, players who are on the team in 2019 uh, get 250000 Players will have seven days from the time of this agreement to have, uh, is officially signed. 
which was Monday, or excuse me, which was yesterday, to make a decision about whether to opt out for the season. Um, based on the proposal, uh, a source told Dan Graziano of ESPN that training camp uh, acclimation schedule will start with four days of COVID-19 testing and then two days of physicals. Uh, day 17 through 14 will cover strength and conditioning work only, and days 15 through 20 will involve practices in helmets and shells with no pads. Um, a maximum of 14 padded practices will be uh, be allowed to be held, but none before August 17th, and there will be one day off per every seven days of work. Uh, I think that is the end of all that. Um, and so, yeah, that's their plan thus far uh, for how they're going to handle the pandemic and how they're handling testing. Um, we didn't see we didn't see anything with Black Lives Matter in that specific spot. So uh, unlike the other leagues, it seems like they're still kind of trying to figure out their way on that um, if they're going to do anything at all um, in terms of on the field special stuff. Uh, but what do you guys think about what they got going so far in terms of training camp and canceling the preseason games? I, I think it was necessary to cancel the preseason games. I think you want to put these players in a position based on the contact nature of the sport based on, I mean, even if you just take offensive and defensive line play, um, when these dudes are doing walkthroughs, they're right, <laughs> you know, here. So, I mean, even when they're not running full speed plays, like there's just so much more, um, you know, risk for these guys because of how close they are to each other uh, so many times a, a game. So um, I'm actually – I think it's a good move to not have the preseason games um, because I think they also accompany that with um, sort of, I guess we want to call it an expansion of the rosters or there's going to be just because obviously a lot of guys make their, you know, they make their bones based off of, you know, they, if they want to get to the league, a lot of these guys that last ditch, ditch effort is those three, four preseason games. So I know that uh, I guess there was some stuff going on with, what is it? 80, um, the roster was going to be like 80 for up to a certain point or something like that. I guess guys are still going to somewhat have an opportunity to make the team that are on the bubble. So, um, you know, if that's the case and if it does indeed work out like that, I think that's great. Um, I don't personally feel like preseason games or anything that are necessary. Uh, honestly, I, I think the players are probably pretty happy about that. Um, you know, at least the veteran guys are, or the guys that are established. So um, as long as they're, finding another avenue for these young guys that are trying to get that roster spot to still earn that roster spot, I think is great. Um, I, I think it should work out well. Um, it sounds to me like, cause I know you kind of alluded to uh, Derek in regards to like what they're doing as far as like social um, uh, black lives matter and things like that. Um, it feels to me like they're kind of letting the teams um take their own lead and do their own thing with mm -hmm. that. I know like, uh, uh, like the Niners for obvious reasons, I've been paying attention. They, they fly a black lives matter flag. Um, and some of their players are all, were already sort of doing, you know, like your Richard Sherman's and stuff like that. We're already kind of, you know, involved in that to begin with. So if anything, you know, you would hope they just kind of, you know, tap into those resources that they already have. I think most teams for the most part have a few players that are involving themselves in that movement. And, and so, you know, hopefully the goal will be for them to kind of, you know, work with those players to figure out some other ways that the team can, you know, 
can can put themselves out there and, and, and embrace the, the movement. So we'll see how that works out. But it feels to me like the league is kind of letting play, uh, teams, you know, handle that on their own, which, I mean, you know, it could be a good thing. I mean, because, you know, we know the league has tried to shy away from it because of the you know, vast majority of the owners, I mean, realistically don't really care that much about it. So, um, you know, that'll be an interesting, you know, if this is just going to be of them stepping out of the way and allowing their team and management to do what they got to do in regards to that, great. Um, it is what it is, uh, but we'll see how that works out. Um, I'm, for me, I feel like the jury is still out on how the jury is still out on how safe it's going to be. Um, you know, getting rid of the preseason games is nice, but when the practices start happening, we've already had a lot of players that have come up positive. So when the practices start happening, you know, are they going to be able to integrate those players in another way so that when they're available to come back to the team, um, you know, they'll be they won't be out of the loop. Um, I know that there are some teams going to be testing twice a day. Uh, I guess maybe when they come for practice and then when they leave the facility. Um, so there's going to be quite a bit going on with that. That seems like they're at least making an effort, but I don't know how it looks when you have a sport that's such a contact oriented sport. I mean, it is really going to be difficult to gauge um, how safe they can really be. I mean, it, it almost feels like it's coming down to the players just basically saying, we're going to do what we have to do and hopefully nobody gets sick as opposed to, I, I, it's just very difficult to guarantee that nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I think it's actually a, a pretty decent deal. So I do want to uh, get some props to the NFLPA. You see what kind of happens when they have a bit of leverage to work with that you can get uh, quite a bit of stuff done for the players. Um, I think a big thing for it was the ability to, for some players, if they want to, to opt out of the season and still receive some type of compensation um, so this is mainly for those lower tier fringe type players because, you know, there's a lot more of them than there are the big money type of guys because the big money guys are going to want to play no matter what to get that money because it's, you know, multiple of the millions, hundreds of millions. Um, but there are a lot more of those lower tier ones who are kind of just, you know, game to game, could be cut any time, probably no guaranteed money. And really they're like, okay, well, if I don't play and don't get paid, then I don't have any income at all for this year. So what can I do? But this kind of gives them the ability to say, okay, you know, if I need to cut out, I don't feel safe. I can still do that and still be able to take care of myself and my family as well. Um, so that was a, a good look for them. Uh, they've done a lot of stuff going forward. I think they really had to because there's quite a bit of backlash since all the other leagues already had plans in place and the NFL was kind of dragging their feet as usual. Um, so that, that's kind of why they lost a lot of leverage with that as well. Um, so it's, it's pretty decent for kind of doing something on such a short term. Uh, in terms of the social justice thing, though, what I've noticed is the NFL a lot likes to do is they like to kind of divvy out the responsibilities to the team themselves, let them police their own players. That way, if something goes wrong, then they can say, oh, that was that team that let them do that. And we can come out with a statement and change our, our mind or come down hard based on what they do. So not surprising that the league as a whole hasn't decided to do something because a lot of times what their MO is is to allow teams to operate as individual entities until backlash happens, then they kind of say like, oh, no, we're one organization and it needs to be this way as well, since we've kind of seen what happens. Um, but what I wanted to bring up is, up, I kind of saw an article here from um, Pro Football Talk. So as we had said for the NBA, they were kind of, as they are in the regular season, kind of lenient with their play line and some type of freedom to kind of do different things throughout the season. Same thing here with the bubble in terms of, uh, you know, not making sure that they're in the room and such and, giving them leeway to kind of leave the bubble for, for family matters and, and things of that nature. 
Well, as we know, the NFL is kind of on the opposite spectrum of that in terms of their very totalitarianism, the kind of my way, the highway type deal. So I saw this article on here where they have a few rules um, that actually bans the players from certain social gatherings while the season is going on. So it says that uh, players can be reportedly fined for breaking rules, or they also can have their guarantees voided if them going to one of these uh, social get-togethers has a miss in the game at some point in time during the season. So they kind of actually have some type of pitfalls for if they kind of go out and intermingle and stuff like that. So for a few examples for some of the places that they are prohibited from going to, they said indoor nightclubs, so no wings for the NFL players, unfortunately, from Magic City. Um, indoor bars. <laughs> uh, indoor house parties with 15-plus people. Indoor concert. Professional sporting events. <laughs> That's kind of hilarious. And, um, and uh, indoor church services that allow... <laughs> you can't. Look, look. The only professional Just so you know, it's, 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 it's not safe going there. <laughs> it's not. It's not All right, safe. I'm going to head out. <laughs> uh, okay. At... What you can guarantee the info will always end up at some point in time throughout all things. <laughs> so they're, they're telling their players that, hey, don't go here because it's not safe for you, such as what we're doing right now is not safe for you. <laughs> so you so know, only if you're playing in the game is it safe. But if you go and watch the game, though, then that is not safe. <laughs> well, Daniel, you know the NFL are the masters of saying the quiet part out loud. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last one here is indirect church services that allow attendance above 25% of capacity. So for the NFL, they have a little bit of barrier here to kind of try to keep the players, you know, all on the same page in terms of safety and such. Um, but as they normally do, threatening to find them and, of course, more importantly, threatening to void some guarantees uh, because, you know, the NFL loves to wave that around because they don't have fully guaranteed contracts for most players and such. So they like to use that as leverage for themselves to get the players to do what they want by saying, oh, don't do this or else we'll take away all your guaranteed money. I wonder if that's collectively bargained, if they can do that. I wonder what I have. I'd actually, I don't, I guess I don't want to see it, but it'd be interesting to see if they actually had to enforce that, could they? Because it just doesn't seem like power that they mm-hmm. collectively have bargained. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel like it's in the bar, in the CBA that, hey, if you shut down our season, we're going to take all your guaranteed money. But, you know, maybe there is some clause oh. they can use. Oh, no, that, you know, that would definitely go to litigation. There's no way that would just like fly. Simple. It's like, okay, here's my money. You can take it or whatever. Because, yeah, like you said, if that wasn't agreed upon initially from the collective bargaining, then they're going to fight tooth and nail to at least get partial of that money back. Yeah. Um, even the same thing happened with um, was it Antonio Brown with the Patriots. I was like, they actually, he thought they had cause. We actually got some of that money back through litigation because they're like, hey, based on the guidelines from the collective bargaining, you can't just take all my money, even if I'm out here wilding. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting, man, because I'm, I'm caught between between a rock and a hard place because the the NFL both asked they did what I told what I said the NBA should be doing they got draconian on it and I actually in this situation I actually think a little draconian this is 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 required if you actually want to keep people safe um, that's yeah. just you have to trade off some liberties for safety in this scenario um, it's, so they did that. They also, the NFLPA was actually able to get a pretty good deal. I think so far, probably the best deal in terms of a safety net in terms of if something goes awry. So far, the NFLPA has done the best job out of the PAs for getting some actual guaranteed money if this shuts down. Of right. course, 
they were at a they needed to because they haven't had a season yet. At least the NBA, the NHL, they have had the, they have had a season. The WNBA probably feels a little safer, so they don't necessarily need to, to do all that per, per se. Uh, but so far, you know, there's a I'm caught between a rock and a hard place because on one hand, the NFL is absolutely the sport that should not play football games, <laughs> just by the very nature of the sport, the yeah, very nature of the rosters. Uh, they absolutely should just. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to wonder how much I should penalize them for simply the fact that they should not do this at no. all. Like, period. With that, I actually think, by based on what we know, they've done this the best ish. Now they're at an uneven playing field too because a they're not doing their regular season right now, and right. b we don't know what their travel stuff is going to be like. We don't know what kind of what kind of things they're going to put in place. So they're at a bit of an advantage grading wise, if you want to say because. These other t- these other uh, sports are having to put actual regular season precautions in place. Right now, they're just doing training camp, which is a whole different beast. Um, Not only that, also, but they already put their schedule out. Exactly, and they I put also want to schedule out, and then yeah, in yeah at normal time in April. Uh, and I also do want to give them a little bit of credit because the NFL actually gave back money. They canceled the preseason games, which is not a very NFL thing to do. So I want to give them a little bit of credit for that too. But I'm just I'm torn. I don't know where you guys are on it, but. I'm torn between the fact that oh, the NFL actually did a pretty good job. And then, of course, they kind of ruined it at the end there because, hey, don't go to sporting events. <laughs> I don't I don't. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> like, this is like uh, the, the gladiators, like in ancient Rome. Like, I, I'm just thinking, like, you know, we can't have y'all going to any other sporting events. <laughs> Not that there are any. <laughs> Like, you, can only, you can only die. On uh, exactly, yeah. You're going to die. <laughs> you want to make this some money. <laughs> Not them. <laughs> um, it, it's tough to kind of give them the ticker rate, really, because like you're saying, in terms of the nature of football itself, with so many people involved, so many players that have to be on the field at the same time, on the sideline, huddles, things of that nature, it doesn't bode well in terms of trying to keep people safe from COVID. But if they have to play, which they've already said they're going to play it, then they've made enough for pretty good leeway in terms of trying to keep the players safe, trying to get them some type of recourse where if something does go wrong, if they don't feel safe anymore and want to drop out, they used to have some type of you know financial recourse to recover from that. Um, but really, I think less the NFL and more just the NFL PA, I think, really stepping up for the players and kind of giving them a lot of stuff here to kind of make sure that they're safe. Um, I think the players speaking out in unison like that is kind of showing the NFL the power that they have collectively, and that's kind of giving them more leverage to kind of get more stuff done as well. So hopefully it actually continues even further past this season with the players kind of having that unified voice and speaking out. So I think that can get more stuff done in terms of their own personal situations for contracts and stuff moving forward uh, if they kind of take that stand together. Yeah, uh, all spectacular points there. Um, and I think we've – I think, we, we're, I think we're ready to move on to grades. Let's start off with a T-Huff this time. What you got? Yeah, um, this was tough because we haven't played any games and we haven't really – This is it's so early on with the NFL and what they're doing right now. So, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to give a C, um, and that's just off of what Derek was, was saying about – if, if they've got to do it, even though I don't feel like – I feel like this is a one sport that probably shouldn't be. 
Um, uh, that being said, I'll give them a C because it feels to me like they're trying to make a concerted effort to actually be somewhat safe. Uh, and the sad part is, is that the, the, we're sort of out on this one right now because we haven't really seen, I mean, I know there's players that have already tested positive, um, that have recently tested, but I mean, this is, this one's really, really tough because there's no games going on. We're not going to be able to, you know, see how they plan on doing things without fans. As a matter of fact, from what I recall, like they seem to be kind of going towards the possibility of having fans. So, (laughs) or at least that they want to. So to me, just them not immediately jumping on board with, Hey, we may not have any fans here. So let's just take that into consideration and just think about playing the games. They don't, they seem to be coming out with the least information and the least effort to try to say, how can we do this as safely as possible? So with that being the case, I'm just going to give them a seat for right now. That could definitely change though at some point for me, assuming that we were to actually grade them again. Yeah. Um, I'll go with the C-minus for them. Um, you know, the fact that they kind of came out with something that seems pretty decent, I have to give them credit for that. Um, I do have to mark off for them taking so long and needing the players to pressure them to, hey, keep us safe, for them to actually come out with something ahead of time because they were really raring to just start the season and kind of do stuff on the fly, which is really no way you should really run a billion-dollar organization. But, hey, you know, who am I to say? Um, also... You know, also with them um, giving those concessions to the players in terms of, you know, the, the money and them having to opt out and everything. One thing I, I thought about like a minute ago was like, we really shouldn't get swept, into, swept up into it too much because that's something they probably should have been doing all along. But because they treat their players kind of worse than a lot of the other leagues, we kind of give them credit when they kind of come up to the same level as other, other leagues, when they should have been doing that in the, in the, the first place. So I can't really give them too much credit for that as well because they should have been having guarantees for the players. They should have had some type of things for injuries. They should have already from the get-go saying it's okay for you to opt out. Um, but now it kind of took some poking and prodding by the NFLPA to kind of get them there. So even though they kind of it's a good thing that they did it, um, they don't get any extra credit for doing something they should have been doing all along. So that's why I think I'm going to give them with that C-. minus. Can't give them the same as, a, as the NBA because they're not up to that part just as, as of yet. Yeah, man, I I changed it. I was I was gonna try to be. Hey, Derek never does. Derek never gives the NFL any 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 props, guys. So he was gonna give him props this time. And I was gonna be like, I was gonna try to kind of skirt skirt the rules a little bit and be like, this is more for the NFL players because they kind of force action upon their league. So maybe I'll just kind of grade them and leave the NFL to their own devices. But Daniel, as usual, his, his arguments are just too too decisive. It's just too decisive, man. I couldn't get away with it, so I didn't even try it. C minus, C minus for, <laughs> for all the reasons that Daniel pretty much laid out. That you don't get credit for treating your players humanely. You don't get credit because your players force use the leverage to force you to, to do the things that you were supposed to be doing to begin with. You don't get credit for being one of the last leagues, even though you had the most time to figure out what you were going to do, and yet you were one of the last leagues to make a plan on it. So I was gonna. I, I'm not gonna lie. I was gonna try to give him a B minus and be like, "Oh, hey, happy ro- happy rainbows and stuff." And Daniel, Derek, well, easy grader, man. Yeah, Daniel brought me back down to earth and put me into the reality, and that I have to grade this league, not this place, this league. This league. <laughs> <laughs> He's not real, dude. There you go, Derek. 
Hold him accountable, D. And so they ended up getting a C minus, which was actually still better than MLB. But uh, I I had to change that on the fly uh, because they I my B minus was going to bring them to a C. Instead, they got a C minus. It's a big swing for them. Big swing for them. So and so lastly, a sport we almost never talk about, but um, honestly. We might end up saying they did the best job out of everybody. But the NHL has a plan as well, my friends. And their plan is this. Uh, they uh, they had training camps that opened on uh, the Monday following July 10th. I, I, I don't have time to do that that math in my head. They're going to have a 24-team tournament uh, that will begin on August 1st. Uh, so they haven't started theirs yet. Um, it will be uh, the end of this next week on uh, Saturday. Uh, for They have two hub cities. Edmonton for the Western Conference teams and Toronto for the Eastern Conference teams. So uh, Canada is letting hockey into their town. They have no baseball, but hockey will be there. Uh, let's see. To maximize the number of games, televised start times will be scheduled on a staggered basis with the 10 days of qualifying games in Toronto slated to start at noon. Uh, that's, that's neither here nor there. The qualification round will include five-game series for the number five through 12 seeds. The top four seeds in East Conference earn a bye and will play round-robin games against one another to determine seeding. The NHL is creating a bubble environment in two campus-like setups, with players and staffers being tested daily for COVID-19. Players' families will not be able to join them in the hub cities until the conference finals, which are expected to take place in Edmonton. Uh, Players have three days to inform their teams in writing if they want to opt out of the summer tournament. There will be no punishment for players who choose to do so, and the players do not need to cite a specific reason. Um, The NFL draft is tentatively scheduled for October 9th through 10th, and the NHL is targeting a December for their next season. Um, they also just they also happen to agree to a new four-year CBA extension. Um, I'm not going to get into any of the details on that, but that also got uh, done while they put a plan in place. Uh, so <clears throat> what do you guys think about uh, what was going on with the uh, NHL CB, uh, the NHL's restart season um, and the plans that they put in place? Uh, in terms of trying to create a bubble environment for themselves. Don't all speak at once. Well, I feel like, hey, if – if now, interesting, because we kind of made light of the fact that Canada was, was cool with them because they gave them two bubble locations, but that's exactly the point. Bubble locations. MLB wasn't doing all that. So, exactly. basically, MLB, the way they were doing it, was they were just saying, hey, we're just going to parade teams in and out of your country. Meanwhile – you know, with hockey, they basically said Toronto, Edmonton, we're going to have a couple of bubbles. We're going to do this the right way. So I understand why they're doing it that way. And I'm cool with that part. Um, I don't know much about hockey, but I can tell you just from the standpoint of that, it sounds like they're at least making an effort to do things correctly. And on top of that, you're splitting up. Um, you're not c- congregating all in one place. They're splitting it up amongst two different locations from what it sounds like. And if that's going to be the case, then that's actually a lot safer because you're not going to have a large number of teams and staff and players all in one spot. So I think that's actually great. Um, And Derek's probably right. You probably are going to get, you know, a pretty darn good grade out of this, in my opinion, even though we don't know much about hockey, or at least we don't talk much about hockey. um, That to me sounds like a really, really good, set up because they seem to be taking into consideration the fact that having all those people in one place at one time could really be something that could cause a big issue. So, um, yeah, I'll say kudos to them, man. That sounds good to me. 
Yeah, I mean, look at that. The kind of the little brother of the whole professional sports here, kind of taking a step and I say in the forefront in terms of uh, safety for COVID. It's interesting though. It seems like a lot of these teams, almost they're maybe copying what the NBA did, or maybe they kind of came up with it together. Um, but they're kind of taking a lot of stuff in the NBA and kind of adding onto that as well. Taking that next step is not only having a bubble, but having multiple bubbles, right, to keep us away from each other. Um, understanding that players at some point will want to be around their families and, you know, be with them. So they kind of give them that, that as well as a, as a gesture to kind of keep them from going stir crazy, from being these bubbles, these bubbles too. Um, so it, it's a good move by them. Um, a lot of stuff that we've seen, I think it's, it's mirroring stuff from the NBA, um, kind of a lot with safety in mind. But at, at the end of the day, though, you know, the games have to be played. So all you can really do is try to kind of keep them together as much as possible. Um, because, you know, once the games start, if anything else happens, it's going to spread like crazy if they happen to, you know, have any type of breach and such. Um, but they, I think they're trying to prevent that a little, by a little bit by not having them all in the same place. So if, uh, uh, if an outbreak does happen, it doesn't affect the entire league at that point. It kind of says, okay, well, maybe a partial of them are out, but we still can keep the games playing to kind of at least try to get through the season if we can. Um, because that's all they really want to do is get through the season, fulfill those TV contracts and such, and not hurt anything for next year or going forward. Um, in terms of the income coming in, in terms of the salaries for the players and such. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, did you improve on the design? Did you do something new? The NHL actually, <laughs> actually did that, man. They they took the NBA's model and they even if that's what they did, I don't know if that's what they did. But if that's what they did, they they improved on the design. They they did something new with it that actually makes a lot of sense uh, from a practicality standpoint. Um, now, if you, you notice that I didn't say anything with Black Lives Matter, and that's because the NHL hasn't been doing too much on it. I, I just looked it up just now. Um, it looks like they're, the NHL hockey game is doing some stuff with it, but as far as the, uh, the hockey video game. Uh, but as far as them, um, the Capitals have something up where they talk about Black Lives Matter. So and there is uh, something going on in the sport, but it's not – it seems more like the, NH, in it, uh, the NFL where it's it's kind of a team-by-team -team basis type thing going, going on there. But uh, – in terms of what we've actually talking about today, which is the quarantine, they so to me they have the exact best plan. The uh, the two separate cities, two bubble, making sure there's no travel. They're getting right down to business, which preferably is probably what the NBA would have done. But they, there's some things in the line that they didn't want to give up. Uh, but uh, preferably they would have just got right down to the nitty gritty and gone into the playoffs. The NHL did that, and so I, I think the NHL came comes out looking looking like smelling like roses, even though they, they're, just, they're so, they're not even getting, much like the WNBA, I barely even knew the NHL was coming back. Like I knew it because I just know a little bit, but like you're not hearing a lot of fanfare for the NHL, but I think they've handled this exactly right for what they needed to do. And you know what? Being that we don't talk a lot of NHL, and we still not going to today, let's get right into the grace, man. <laughs> keep, keep that, keep that same energy, yo. <laughs> keep yeah, that same let's, energy. <laughs> let's not act brand new. Uh, uh, what is? Uh, why is Terrell Huff holding up Michelle Obama to speak in Orlando? I'm confused. What are we doing here, Terrell? Oh, so she's going to speak to the NBA players in Orlando about the importance uh, of voting. Oh, okay. Thanks. Terrell Huff is uh, <laughs> having some technical difficulties from the standpoint of his children are in the room with him. So he's trying to keep the mic. <laughs> that's why that's why that just went really weird just now, because we were like reading it off of a phone screen that he was holding up. I, you know, interest of full disclosure. So, you know, why things sound the way that they do. Um, anyway, uh, D, give me give me a grade, man. 
Uh, I'll give him the highest of today. I think as you all expected, had to hit him with that B plus, man. Um, can't go full A because you know, like we said, at some point maybe consider not even having the games all together. Um, but if you're gonna have the games, you gotta might as well do it right, right? Might as well do it big, and that's what they exactly what they're doing. Um, they're going with the with the whole bubble model, but they you know improved upon that. They're having very strict testing, um, so they're saying we're gonna kind of do everything we can you know, afford or humanly possible to make it as safe as possible to have these games played. And I mean, they're doing it pretty well from the, the from the planning standpoint. So I have to give them props for that. And uh, Terrell's going to unmute his mic for now. I'm going to be as well, man. Um, uh, you know, for the same reasons uh, Daniel just mentioned, but as well as, like I said, the big thing for me was the splitting up between the two bubble locations um, which I feel like is a thing that the NBA probably could have done. Um, and uh, just, again, and I, I made light of it, but it, it kind of does play into this, which is that Canada kind of said, you know, to MLB, hey, man, we're not going to do this where you're going to parade teams in and out of our country when y'all don't even want to police this situation yourselves as a whole. So the fact that they said, oh, yeah, we like this idea from, from – um, uh, from hockey. So let's go ahead and do that. And not only will we not let you, we not only will we let you come into one location, but we'll go ahead and let you do two locations in our country because, well, you guys seem to have this thing under wraps and understand at least what needs to be done and they are making an effort to be as safe as possible. So that being said, I'm going with a B as well, because um, just from a standpoint of they obviously did something uh, that made Canada want to host this thing and, and, you know, and, and, you know, felt like they were safe enough to do so. So, there I am. They, was that something just merely being hockey? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what's funny is I thought about that initially, like, yeah, because it's hockey. But then I think about it, most of the teams are here. So, yeah, it's still, I mean, it's, it's still a, a, mm-hmm. an American sports league. So, um, uh, basically, it doesn't matter what I, y'all both gave them B's, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, basically, I gave them a B plus. Oh, you gave them a B plus. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well, it basically it almost doesn't matter what I give them because Daniel gave him a B plus and Terrell gave him a B. Um, you know, if I gave him a B, they'd get the highest score of the night. But I'm a, I'm gonna bring him down to the <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be petty and I'm gonna bring him down to the WNBA's level. I'm gonna give him a B minus, which clocks him in that B, which means that they tie them in the WNBA tie. Um, and so they get an overall grade of B, but honestly, they probably could have got a higher grade. It's just me being ridiculous with grading and such. Uh, everything that Daniel said. Where's <laughs> Professor Ever? You know what? Y'all had too much A's in this class. So uh, you're getting a C, you're getting a D. Yeah, it's it's like, some, what? Some weird, some weird there are no rules. rules. Some weird grade politics. Look, that curve. Oh, going on, on here. <laughs> uh, but honestly, the NHL uh, did it probably as best as anyone could do it. Uh, I did like Daniel's point that, you know, you kind of take off grades automatically just because none of these things should probably be happening at all. But if they are going to happen, you got to do it as best you can. And I feel like the NHL came up with probably the best system um, to do that with, which is odd to say because they're so disorganized. So all the other time they have what people think is like Wiley, the worst commissioner in sports. Uh, But here they are getting the job done. Um, So uh, not much more to be said on that. Uh, that basically concludes the grading. That just so y'all know, NHL, ML, uh, WNBA clock in with a B. Then after that, it's the NBA with a C plus. 
Then after that, it's surprisingly in the NFL with a C-minus and then baseball. Further falling off the map as America's favorite pastime and go-to sport and whatever, quietly getting overtaken. And we didn't even – if we had mentioned golf and tennis in them, they might have gone even lower because, you know, just by nature of the sports, golf and tennis have a built-in advantage that has to be acknowledged. And they're they're about to get going as well with uh, some of their majors. So – um, that's where it all ended up on the individual grading level. Uh, I gave the NBA a C minus, gave the WNBA a B minus. I uh, gave the, the MLB a D, gave the NFL a C minus and the NHL a B minus. So the WNBA tied for my best score. Uh, Terrell gave the NBA a B, gave the WNBA an A, gave the MLB a C minus, gave the NFL a C and gave the NHL a B. Daniel, Mr. Tough Grader himself, he turned into the Russian judge. He gave the NBA C plus, gave the WNBA a B, gave the MLB a D, gave the NFL a C minus, and gave a the NHL a B plus. So uh, actually, I'm not gonna lie, I like Daniel's grades better than anybody's. Grades, but, you know, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, man. Angel had a lot of sources. You know what I'm saying? A lot of good volume in that <laughs> in that essay. So I had to reward them for that. They cited their work. Yeah, it's intriguing structure for the story, storyline and everything. All right. And so with that being said, that'll conclude the quarantine grades for this week. I, a segment I literally just made up on the fly. That's that's called that's called producing on the fly, gentlemen. Um, and so now it's time for uh, the greatest segment in the history of segments. Terrell, uh, keep your mic muted if this is the greatest segment in the history of segments. Ah, yes, I thought so. I thought so. Good stuff. There will never be another. It is my brother. It's time for Is This Your King? Um, fellas, uh, y'all got a Is This Your King this week? Because I, I have one, but I'll, we didn't discuss this pre-show, so I'll let I'll let you, I'll go with y'all to see if y'all have one before I, I get going. Um, but if y'all have one, feel free to jump in right now. I don't. I was hoping. Well, what's your topic? And if we, if we hate it, we'll make up something else. Okay. Well, uh, this week – you, uh, another Florida, you know, Austin's not here, first off. And so since Austin's not here, someone has to make fun of Florida politicians for him and keep that mantle uh, going. And so, you know, I felt like that, that will fall to me. And so you, our, one of our favorite New York senators, or not senators, one of our favorite New York congressmen, <laughs> yes, Yoho, one of our favorite, <laughs> hold together, D, hold together. <laughs> Terrell just yelling yo-ho on mute. It's <laughs> and it is worth going to our YouTube page to uh, watch it just for that. It's a plug. Yeah, professional broadcast shit right there. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, they're good stuff. Flex on. Anyway, our, our, our favorite New York congresswoman, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, uh, was minding her own business around the Capitol. And a, uh, uh, a, Florida, yes. a Florida congressman, for no reason, apparently, decided to uh, walk up to her and basically accost her and verbally and say uh, say that she doesn't know what she's talking about. When it comes to, she had said that uh, poverty and, and uh, crime are, are closely linked, which any study in fucking America will tell you that they are. Uh, the, if you have no resources to, to get out of your circumstances, you have to try to take those resources for yourself. Because if you, if, if you can't eat, you got to try to find a way to eat. Usually that's going to be through crime. Um, some people find a way to do it, uh, to, you know, rise up above their circumstance. But a lot of a lot of crime is because of uh, because of opportunity and not having the means of opportunity. Um, but Ted Yoho apparently does not 
know that data, does not approve of that data, does not think that data is real. So he decided to yell at uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, and then after she basically rebuffed him and was like, you're wrong, he uh, walked off and, and called her a bitch under his breath. Um, so then to make matters worse, his apology was basically that, uh, you know, I just, you know, I just, I got heated, man. I can't really account for, you know, uh, my emotions. You know, they just get the best of me sometimes, baby. And, you know, I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm an emotional dude. You know, it is what it is. It is what it is, yo. Um, and rightfully, uh, Ms. Ocasio-Cortez was like, that apology sucks. And it's not acceptable. I don't want any women in America to think that apology is acceptable. Um, you can't be calling women bitches under your breath. Um, you can't call me that, certainly. And I'm going to set an example of you. And, uh, you know, it's not acceptable. And basically, he tried to hide behind the whole, you know, I have daughters and I have wives. And she was like, that also is unacceptable uh, because you can't use women as meat shields for your sexism. And furthermore, it shouldn't take having daughters and, uh, and wives to make you empathize with women. And so, you know, I can't, if you didn't see what she said, she said it best. I can't do it any better than her. So I would encourage you to look up what she said on the floor of Congress uh, as a response, both to his initial uh, ridiculous accosting verbally, verbal accostation, and his response, his, his not apology, because it wasn't an apology. He never said the words, I'm sorry. He didn't say he was out of line, really, even. He just kind of said, you know what, it is what it is, baby. I'm an emotional dude. I'm, a, I'm a talking to the game. And so, uh, yeah. Fuck that guy, man. <laughs> really? Fuck that guy. I can go. But is he your king, though, Derek? <laughs> uh, is he my king? Um, no. Nah. Oh. Nah, fam. Yeah, that, that dude was a clown. Um, and, uh, you know, and the sad part is, is I, I'm so happy about the fact that she refused to accept the apology because it was unacceptable what he did. And then on top of that, he tried to turn around and lie and claim that that's not how it went down. Note he didn't say he didn't say it. He said that's not how it went down. In other words, to me, it sounds like he was trying to say she had it coming, which we all know is a big no-no when you decide to verbally accost a female, a professional female, a female that is very accomplished at an extremely young age. She mentioned that his youngest daughter is two years older than her. Um, so, you know, she, uh, in about the most professional way possible, threw about as much shade as you could throw at somebody in that speech. And it was a great speech. Uh, like Derek said, please go look it up because it was, it was wonderful. I mean, just everything about it, like it was like a masterclass on how to give a speech about anything, much less that particular issue. Um, it had emotion in it, but at the same time, it still comes back to the fact that she was able to throw shade at this dude in a very good way because he, she basically said, any grown man with a wife and daughters is not much of a man if he's out here speaking to a, a woman of my, like myself or anyone else that way. And she kind of alluded to, I wonder what's going on in that house kind of a, in a kind of a way, which I think is really, really important because um, I don't think that most people maybe took it that way. Maybe I was looking for the shade to be thrown and maybe that's why I felt that way. But I really did feel like she was coming off in a way like what man with daughters and a wife 
would speak to another woman that way, to a woman that way. Like, I mean, that's, that's the way I gathered it. Uh, she brought her father into the equation who passed away uh, several years back. I mean, so she really, um, she really brought it to the forefront and she basically made it known and put America on notice that these guys are doing this on a regular basis in the chamber regularly. This is not uncommon. Uh, this might've been a little bit more egregious than the usual, but this is a normal thing. So what we're not going to do today is to have that happen and then let him come up here and say some nice words that basically come to come out to the equivalence of if I offended anybody, I'm sorry, which is lame. Um, he basically, you know, she didn't let him get away with that. So for me, that was amazing. Um, and I'm glad she did it. And as much as I don't want her to have to endure or, or any of the, uh, any of these, um, you know, young people that want to be uh, in politics um, or that are currently in politics, as much as I don't want this to be something that deters them in any way, I'm really, really glad that she put it out there that this is what we're dealing with right now. And as much as we don't want to, it's still going on, even in 2020. So um, I, I, I'm, I applaud her for that. Yeah, and really, if you think about it, it just seems ridiculous that your retort to, you know, well, you know, I have daughters and a wife. So, like, okay, well, that does make it 10 times worse than you would say that. It's like, do you call, like you're saying, Troy, alluding to, like, do you call your daughters and wives outside their names like that? Do you want other people talking to them that way? Then why do you think it's acceptable to do that to a colleague? Um, basically, that's what she is, a colleague to them as well. It's like, why does that make any sense professional at all to even be uttering that or even treating someone that way? Um, but really, overall, it kind of lets us know that the, the one thing that upsets, you know, older men in power more than an educated, outspoken woman is an educated, outspoken woman who is also of color. Um, so because of this, you know, it, I think it, it really just something in them or whatever, it kind of pushes all their buttons and such that, you know, first off, they're a woman and they're speaking like they know stuff. And on top of that, a woman that doesn't look like me. So why they even talk to me like this and, and with such. <laughs> oh, Terrell's going crazy on this. <laughs> why they even talk to me, talk to me in this manner. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it didn't make any sense from the get go. It's not how he would treat any of his other male contemporaries in that same manner. Um, so, we know what's going on. Um, unfortunately, you know, we see it in other walks of life. So, of course, it's going to come into, you know, into into law, into politics as well, that they look down on their, on their female counterparts, um, especially the ones of color as well, when they're speaking on such sensitive, sensitive matters as poverty, as crime. Um, so, yeah, he's trying to kind of have a little side conversation to silence her and to kind of bully her a little bit, but she wouldn't have any of it. And she did what was become the norm nowadays. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to talk to me like I'm crazy or talk like you're crazy. I'm going to put you on blast for so everybody knows who you really are, you know? Like, that's probably the first time you ever talked to her like that, but, you know, it's probably going to be the last time as well because he knows, hey, you come up to me like that, I'm going to let everybody know who you really are because you shouldn't be treating one this way. I'm going to let all your supporters know, all people in the media, all of my supporters as well, that, hey, this is how he thinks it's acceptable to talk to a woman. And if y'all are okay with that, then keep supporting him. But if you didn't know that, then this might change your mind going forward. Or you might call for, you know, more accountability in regards to these politicians in terms of how they operate in terms of what they do in between when they're not giving speeches and such. Yeah, man, it's just, it, it's just completely unacceptable behavior to, to, it's just, you're in a professional setting. 
This is the United States Congress. Uh, this isn't, this is like, even inside the walls, there's a certain decorum you have to have when you disagree with a colleague, especially on a matter that isn't, it's, it, it, it's, it's so striking on what the matter is. It's not even like something that requires that level of vitriol towards. Um, and so like the fact that he can't even have a civil conversation on just a basic conversation like that, that is backed up by, by peer reviewed data um, is crazy. Um, and I just wanna, cause I should have done this before. I wanna go ahead and say what he said. Um, having been married for 45 years with $2, I'm very cognizant of my language. The offensive name-calling words attributed to me by the press were never spoken to my colleagues. And if they were construed that way, I apologize for their misunderstanding. The whole, if they were construed that way line lets me know that this is exactly what he said. Because that doesn't make any sense. Either you didn't say it and you're making a full-throated rebuttal that you didn't say it, or you did say it and it was misconstrued or you did say it and you're apologizing, but it can't be a variation of all three, <laughs> which is pretty much what he went for there and um, pretty unacceptable. And then I want to make sure I say, uh, there's a lot of what she said on the floor of Congress, so you're going to have to read the whole thing for yourself. Uh, but I wanted to read the part that we were talking about, which is, so while I was not deeply hurt or offended by little comments that are made when I was reflecting on this, I honestly thought I was going to, I honestly thought I was going to pack it up and go home. It's just another day, right? But then yesterday, Representative Yoho decided to come to the floor of the House of Representatives and make excuses for his behavior, and that I could not, and that I could not let go. I cannot allow my nieces. I cannot allow the little girls that I go home to. I cannot allow victims of verbal abuse and worse to see that to see that excuse to see our Congress accepted as legitimate and accepted as an apology and to accept silence as a form of acceptance. I cannot allow that to stand which is why I'm rising today to raise the point of personal privilege. And I do not, I do not need Representative Yoho to apologize to me. Clearly, he does not want to. Clearly, when given the opportunity, he will not. And I will not stay up late at night waiting for an apology from a man who has no remorse over calling women and using abusive language towards women. What I do have issue with is using wives and daughters as shields and excuses for poor behavior. Mr. Yoho mentioned that he has a wife and $2. I am two years younger than Mr. Yoho's da youngest daughter. I am someone's daughter, too. My father, thankfully, is not alive to see how Mr. Yoho treated his daughter. My mother got to see Mr. Yoho's disrespect on the floor of this house towards me on television. And I am here because I have to show my parents that I am their daughter. And they did not raise me to accept abuse from men. And of course, she went on to say uh, uh, um, more. Quick translation. Uh, I believe that meant mom ain't raised no bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's essentially what she said. And she said uh, what she said. She did say what she, it's true. And that is, uh, that is all that needs to be said. So yeah, like I said, I couldn't say it better than she did. She said it perfectly. Um, completely unacceptable apology. Not not an apology. And so I'm glad. And what's crazy is that actually uh, to Daniel's, one of Daniel's earlier points, she actually was going to kind of let him off the hook a little bit. But then <laughs> the man got out here and couldn't even muster up like one scintilla of a piece of an apology. And she's like, you know what? No, no. Now I got to flame you, man. And now I got to now I got to put you on the, on the grill. And so uh, mm -hmm. the was fired up and, she, and uh, Mr. Yoho is, is burning accordingly. So that's all I have to say about that. Mr. Yoho, you're not my king. You likely never will. <laughs> you are not my king. He <laughs> <laughs> can't win you back, Derek. He's like, Whatever it takes, I'll get I'll get I'll get D Lou back. Oh, I got to have him. <laughs> hey, 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 he from Florida, dog. The chances of him, him doing it, you know, me, 
September is from the get go. Florida is irredeemable right now. Florida is irredeemable. Like legit, all I see is Bugs Bunny with a saw cutting from Florida off the bottom of the let it float out into the Atlantic. I just want to know why mm-hmm. all the politicians don't have no sense, man. <laughs> like, I just, what is in the water? They all, it's like they all go into the same, like, like there's a class that they go to. And it's like, you can't go, you can't run for nothing unless you go to the class. And then you go from there. Like, like it's crazy. Like, and they're all Marco Rubio out here tweeting out pictures of himself with the wrong brother. You know, after John Lewis passed away, I'm like, what you doing, yeah. man? Like, they out here wilding, man. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, two two Republican uh, Congress people tweeted out a picture of uh, the late uh, ah. I forgot his name, but he passed away actually two years ago. Yes, um, from Maryland, um, and they both—they both. I was like, God, man, who's running your social media team? Like John Lewis is John they, Lewis. They are. <laughs> yeah, clearly. But that's why you gotta have your own team, man. And one of them didn't even apologize. He just deleted the post and put up the right post and kept yeah, it moving. He kept it moving. At least Marco Rubio apologized. I mean. Not at least, but he did. Like the other dude was like even worse. It's like ah, the standard for for conservative politics. Oh, um, Elijah, Elijah coming. Yeah, yeah, Elijah coming. I I love how just the fact that I knew you were coming with it activated my mind. Like I gotta get this now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so yeah, man, when you when you're putting up pictures of other late black congressmen who are not <laughs> the late congressman who just passed, maybe you should reevaluate what you're doing with your life. Well, you know, when you're trying to reach out to the all black people look alike contingent, you know, sometimes you make mistakes like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, anything else to say on, on any of that, my friends, before we get out of here? That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do your kids have anything up to say, uh, Terrell? Nah, man. Thomas made it over to his tablet, so he don't care what the rest of us are talking about. <laughs> actually would have brought do real quick. I think my daughter actually would have been probably made more sense for that one because we didn't already have these conversations <laughs> about hey don't let nobody call you out your name <laughs> like so we already <laughs> had that conversation but Thomas is just like I'm just trying to keep him from calling somebody out their name so you know we'll figure it out <laughs> yeah, your, your daughter looked like, like she was enjoying the camera time man she, yeah, she that's, that's her thing man I I can't. I, I don't know if I told y'all. She didn't already done her first little commercial. She she's on it, dude. Mm-hmm. That little girl wanna. She wanna do everything that that she see me doing. So we're trying, man. We we'll figure it In out. In her blood, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what were you gonna say, the camera. Trust me, she'd be right here. Over uh, I, like, before, I told her. Before we get out, y'all wanna do a quick uh, grade that trade real quick since we're doing grades this, this episode. Oh, you talking a very about quick the, one. the Jamal Adams trade? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I definitely want to grade that trade since everybody want to act like Seattle did something. Seattle ain't do nothing. That grade oh, wow. is a D. You know why that grade is a D? Because they ain't got no first-round picks for the next two years. All right? Word. And they still not going to be able to stop the Niners. Oh, well, we're going to mark that one down on our on our notepad because we're going to have to bring that one back, D. Got to keep Guess that what? in mind. If you okay. stop George Kittle, it, it ain't the safety you need. It's linebackers, homie. You ain't got nothing. Oh, uh, I say open the, open the can of worms. Okay, my bad. <laughs> I see where this is going. <laughs> it's like a whole episode by itself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Uh, for me, for me, I actually I was reading. It was interesting. I was reading a Bill Barnwell piece before uh, we got on here about about the trade. And just from a pure value standpoint, the trade doesn't make sense. You know, to give that much up for a safety, um, it's just unheard of in the NFL. And then you're gonna have to give them a new contract too. So the value on all the things that they gave up, considering that they had Bradley McDougal, who's already one of the better cover safeties in the league anyway. Um, and had been excelling at a at a bargain price, um, the the numbers just don't make sense. Now, where Barnwell made an argument for for the trade was actually something that Terrell actually just alluded to, which is that maybe the versatility of Jamal Adams will be such that uh, they can somewhat justify the pick. Like if for for instance, if he plays some linebacker, um, if he's playing safety, if they move him all around, maybe he does guard guard a George Kittle, but also is blitzing as well as like a, a box safety plus. Um, Cam Chancellor, all, all 2.0. Yeah, but with better coverage skills because he's a better cover cover mm-hmm. safety than, than him is, then maybe it makes it worth it in terms of this is the missing piece that will go with all the other pieces so that we can they can win the Super Bowl this year. Um, and I, Just to be clear, because people swear I'm a Seahawks fan, I meant we as in I was thinking of their perspective, not we as in they are my team. But right. anyway, uh, we, point being – Embrace it, D. We know where you're coming from. I will say this, though, real quick in passing. Um, a third and a fifth for the best left tackle in the league. That is how you make a trade. Oh, God. <laughs> San Francisco 49ers gave up a third and a fifth for Trent Williams, okay, who came in and replaced probably one of the top five best left tackles in the league. They did that. Didn't have to give up the house, the farm, their neighbor's farm, and so, their two so kids' just, left arms. Just finishing off, the Seahawks – um, they'll find a way to get draft capital. Shout out to Russell Wilson and uh, Sierra, though. Their baby, they got a little boy. They had it over the weekend, um, and they named him Win Harrison because they're C- Sierra and Russell Wilson. They named their child Win. Just Win. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Win, like Win baby. Legit Win. Win. That's what that, tw- that, that terrible joke I made, that's why I was making it, Daniel. I was saying they're in Win. Oh. So anyway, uh, that, that, that's even worse now that I know the backstory of that. Yeah, it, it, it does yeah. make it worse, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, just in closing, I, I do think that the Seahawks probably – they value draft picks, but the way that they value them is different than the rest of the league values them. That doesn't make them any less valuable. Draft picks are valuable because they're cheap labor. Um, it's basically it. That's what it is. You can get a super strong and cheap for like four years. Um, and instead, they're giving that up. For Jamal Adams, they're giving two of those up now. If they had done one, maybe you could see that. But because, you know, you're not going to draft someone in the first round better than Jamal Adams, most likely. But are you going to draft two people together and, you know, as good as Jamal Adams? Maybe, perhaps, who knows. Um, So I do think teams tend to overvalue the potential of draft picks, and the Seahawks don't necessarily do that. And they don't actually necessarily use their first-round picks to get that kind of talent lately anyway. So I'm not sure how big of a deal that is. But just from a pure – assets perspective it's just not a good trade and so i'll give it because it's the seahawks i will give grade on the curve a little bit and give it probably a c plus i probably give another team a worse grade i won't lie about it but I, I do trust the seahawks a little more than the average team in terms of being able to get draft capital back being able to fit jamal adams into a system Pete carroll's a defensive coach defensive back guy so i'll give him a little upgrade and give him a c plus but that's just not what you want from an asset standpoint yeah, I mean, looking at it, because what the extra trade was, it was uh, two firsts, a third, and then, of course, their current starting safety, Bradley McDougal, um, for Jamal Adams from the Jets. Uh, it kind of seems like a team that kind of thinks that their window is kind of closing, 
and they kind of want to strike while they still have the chance, you know, because they do have their head coach is an older coach, Pete Carroll. We don't know how many years you might have left. Um, they recently had to pay Russell Wilson for that, you know, big contract. So it's going to make it uh, harder to kind of get more players in in terms of high price creations and such. So they figure Monster will go for it, you know, try to put together the best team as possible and see if we can make some noise in the playoffs. Um, but even with that, though, I still feel they would have either held out a little bit longer. They could have got possibly a better deal than this. Um, for a grade overall, I would give them uh, a C minus. Uh, just because that is just so much to give up for, like you were saying, for safety, which you usually haven't seen before. But not only that, though, they didn't agree upon a contract before they traded for him, which means that when this offseason comes around, he's going to have all the leverage. So either you give him a brand new contract and whatever, almost whatever you want to keep him around, or you're going to say, you know, we traded for him and we lost three high draft picks and we lost a player as well. And if they don't win something next year, then they did all for nothing. So that's why it kind of hurts them on a few different fronts in terms of negotiation power and in terms of uh, kind of the team moving forward because it's going to handicap them for a few years, I think, even though they are good at getting draft capital. Those, those first-round picks are still very valuable, especially in football. Um, so I think it's going to hurt, hurt them quite a bit. Um, I do want to give an A to the Jets, though, for making out like this because it seemed like they weren't going to get anything for him. I mean, he was doing everything to kind of destroy his value in terms of just bad mouth the owner, uh, bad mouth the team in general. Um, so I thought they kind of had to just get rid of him as quick as possible, but somehow they managed to get a pretty, or actually an amazing haul for safety. Um, so kudos to them. And also want to give a grade of a B plus to my Cowboys because sometimes the best trades are the ones that are not made. And I was so afraid that we would give up the farm just to get Jamal Adams on the Cowboys. And we did not make the trade. So that also I want those us in there as well as coming out on top on this trade too. So not better than the Jets, but right there next to them for the trade we did not make. Yo, but you, you still ain't got no safeties. We do have safeties. We have Hawkins uh, and Dix. Ah, uh, safety list. Safety list. <laughs> <laughs> safety list. Without safety. Pay Errol Thomas, man. He was out there for you. Pay him. <laughs> nah, we good. We'll see. We can't. And, we can't. We can't even pay a quarterback. How are we gonna pay a safety? <laughs> How are we gonna pay a safety? We can't. Get, can't play a quarterback, bro. <laughs> Ain't nobody getting paid. <laughs> Ain't no one eating no more. <laughs> y'all get drafted and then y'all leave. Jerry says the money wagon's closed. It's closed. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently now he choose now to be frugal. Who, who knew? Zeke. Yeah, four nine guys eating. None of the Cowboys eating though. Jeez. I'm just saying. FBI. So, yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll see. It, I, this was the assumption that they're gonna pay him because this this not a this is not a deal you do and you don't pay him. So I assume they're gonna get contract done eventually, even if it's just in the off season. Um, and they're pretty much gonna give him whatever he wants because that's just at the point where they are. So whether they do it now or later, that's just where they are. They're gonna have to give him whatever he wants. Um, I don't know that the price will change necessarily. They're gonna make him the highest paid safety in the NFL. That's basically what it is. For sure. Um, sure. So we'll see. But yeah, the I mean, and, and Terrell, all your points. They're, they're lock, stock, and barrel. Uh, but, you know, uh, I do like the aggression from the standpoint of I feel like every team should almost always be in win-now mode if you have a window at all because yeah. it's so fleeting in the NFL. You don't get so you only get so many chances. You saw how quick it closed for the Seahawks the last time. They were in two Super Bowls, and then boom. Uh, they, ain't been back, they, they ain't even really been close to back since. Um, and I've kind of been in a prolonged rebuild-ish type thing over the last three years, so. Right. We'll see how it works out for them. I don't know that they are necessarily that piece away to begin with, so that's also a thing you have to consider. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, 
Anything else you guys want to say on that before we get on out of here? Said my piece. All right, then. Well, How about them Cowboys, baby? No. Well, we did a, we did an Austin Brazina-less that's, – that's a Jigum thing, right? The thumbs up? That's the, Don't do that. You got to come up with, like, some oh, – Oh, I'm a Cowboys fan and an A&M fan. <laughs> well, you got to come up with some kind of star thing, yeah. Work on that. Uh, we did an awesome show today, fellas. How do you think it went? I'll do better. I think it went fine. Okay. All right. Cool. For Daniel Davis. Incredible. Incredible. Is that is that your thing? Or are you were you saying incredible for how it went? How it went. Play us off, see. Play us off. For Daniel Davison. My new call sign. Ready, <laughs> bud. I'll say it one more time. For Daniel Davison. Act that like it. Incredible. Indubitably. And that's being Bobby Terrell Huff. Indeed. Support the arts, baby. Austin Brazina is somewhere. Get well soon, baby. <laughs> it is your man, D.R. Lewis. Third. Not the third. And yeah, we'll go with Terrell on this one. Terrell, hit with the outro, my man. The weekend to take. Because the week may end. But sports don't. Unless, it's, corona- unless it's coronavirus. Goodbye. <laughs>